Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zachary East. I'm your host. It is the October 14, 2017 edition. It's yet another slow news week uh, from what we've been experiencing lately. It's because a lot of games have been coming out. We were kind of talking about this before the podcast, uh, but that's good for us because that means we'll have more time after this podcast and so on uh, to kind of catch up before the end of the year. So before we talk about the news of the week, though, let's talk about who we've got on our podcast. First up, we've got Adam Vitali. Hi. Hi. Josh, you, know what, yeah. you know what sucks about like this time of year? What? Like what really bugs me mm. is like how short the days get. Like you get home and it's, you know, like seven o'clock at night and things are already getting pretty dark. And then it gets even worse when we um, change the clocks. So I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it, yeah. It, it, it actually just kind of like, it doesn't like depress me or anything. It just kind of alters my mood when like it gets so dark so early. I totally yeah, get that. I, I, I definitely feel more fatigued as the, as the sun goes lower down i'm like yeah. oh fuck no i not like the, this i think the only thing i balance it out is that on the weekends i look out and i only get up when the sun's up <laughs> that's like my alarm clock because i don't have the phone near me because i just want to sleep because it's kind of hard when you have to wake up at like at five o'clock to go to work and then by the time you're home it's five o'clock and you're just like looking forward to going to bed that's just how difficult it is to work at the job i'm at we also heard the voice of josh torres hi hello hello hi josh hey and- it's been a while Yes, uh, welcome Two back. Weeks. Yes, it's been a couple of weeks. And then finally, we've got James Galizio. Yo. Yo, I like to mispronounce your name every other week, so I'm glad at least I got it this time. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so as I was saying, it's been kind of a slow news week ever since TGS. Um, th- that's been kind of the story. But and surprisingly, uh, there's actually been some hot-button issues uh, coming up uh, from this past week. A lot of it have to do with a certain Japanese publisher, and it's... English localizer, uh, but we'll get into that in a second. But first, as always, we'd like to talk about the news that we excuse me. I'm talk about. We, we talked about the games that we've been playing uh, since the last podcast. So first up, Adam. Now I know uh, you have been playing some Etrian Odyssey Five. Um, actually, that game's supposed to be out this week, isn't it? Yeah, next Tuesday. Yeah, so it's in it's in a few days by the recording of this podcast, and so. Um, has been the experience I, with that. We only briefly talked about it because we could only kind of you know. Go well, I, a bit. I talked about it to a pretty good extent last week, so yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, retread what I already talked about. Um, but so it comes out next week. Uh, the review will be up like the day before on Monday, and I mean, it's kind of like it's it's. I think the series is at the point where it kind of knows what it is, yeah. and so like it's it's not going to be like change the. It's not going to reinvent itself. So if you kind of are familiar with Etrian Odyssey, and if you like it, you'll probably enjoy this game too. Um, it kind of is just more of the same, but when it, what already came before was pretty good to begin with. Um, so it's it makes a couple of tweaks in terms of how like the classes work and how like the floor jumping works and things like that. Um, so there's there's enough changes that it's made just to give it a little bit of its own flavor like in comparison to the other games in the series um but it's really just kind of a, another solid Etrian Odyssey game um and you kind of know what to expect if you played the, if you played any other game in the series i got um, an important question for you about it mm-hmm. how is the soundtrack that's literally what i was going to ask because i love it's, fours it's really good um I actually think it's a little bit better than Fours. Ooh, um, that's good news. I mean, but... I think all of the soundtracks are pretty amazing. Uh, Yuzo Koshiro, um, basically handling all of them, and it's there's one 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 track in particular is a really jazzy theme that plays at night, 
uh, in the town. Um, you know, a lot of saxophone, a lot of oh, that's cool. uh, yeah. solo yeah. play. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's really cool. And uh, I know Atlas is going to release a DLC that puts it in the FM synth style of the older games, which I, I actually know. A, about that I actually I know remember. a couple of people who are basically who they'll literally their their stance on this is this game is worthless without the FM synth music. <laughs> and they're waiting for that DLC to release, which I think is like the end of October. So it's a couple of weeks after release to play it. And I kind of understand the uh, the sentiment there because that's kind of how like Yuzo Koshiro got his start with things like, oh, is, is it Double Dragon? Um, is that the right game? Oh, he's he's talking about Streets of Rage 2. He's one yeah. and two. Oh, Streets of Rage 2. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's been working since the 80s. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like th- th- it's kind of like. Your, his type of style and that style of music, you know, in terms of the FM synth. Um, so people are kind of who, you know, they, they, they really appreciate that style and that, that option, which actually not 4 didn't have. Um, and, you know, it's just a cool little option, cool little nifty DLC to have, uh, I guess. Um, but otherwise, you know, the music is pretty great and it's, it's a really solid game. Uh, I've actually recently played through as if you've been listening to this podcast, a lot of the earlier games in the series in recent weeks, kind of, marathoning through all of them and this one i actually decided to tackle some of the post-game stuff because i kind of had skipped it in the past just for uh you know efficiency and time purposes i can't devote all that time to doing all of them so it has some really cool challenges some really nifty bosses at the you know in the post-game you know just kind of what you expect from these sorts of dungeon crawlers that really test your party composition and make sure you don't have any weak links and if you have you know you know what you're doing, basically. So, what was your? Uh, uh, I don't know if you had mentioned this last week since I wasn't on, but what's kind of like your general strategy in Etrian Odyssey Five? Like, what's your favorite? I went. I went with game? a little different strategy than I did before, and the uh-huh. classes are. You know, the classes are kind of a new spread of classes, and they they've done this for the most for the several of the most recent games where they kind of change up what your units can be. So in this game, uh, I had a I had a First of all, let me back up a step. Um, I mentioned this last week, but I'll mention it again. This game doesn't have multi-classing like previous okay. games, yeah, Etrian Odyssey 3 and 4. They have a more, they have a system where eventually you can basically have your units wield two different classes and use skills from two different you know, class groups. Uh, you know, that's a pretty common thing in these job systems. Um, but this, but Etrian Odyssey 5 goes, it does away with that and instead does like a class promotion thing where okay. you take your unit like a fencer and once you get to level 30, I think, um, you can basically promote them to a mastery. And fencer can change in, either into a, a chain fencer or a, I think, a, I don't remember what the other one is called. It's kind of, it's kind of more like Fire Emblem in that aspect. Yeah, kind of like Fire Emblem 8 and some of the later ones, Awakening or whatever, um, where you basically choose which class you want them to promote into. And they have a unique set of skills for that. Um what I one of my my main like damage dealing was I had a chain fencer, which what it, this is this has been in a couple of the previous games as well, or something similar to this, where they basically do follow up attacks that are elemental. So like they they'll do like an ice chain, and then basically whenever the da- enemy is da- damaged with like a stab attack or an ice attack, the the chain fencer will follow up. So you can basically if you like I had a uh, I'm not gonna pronounce this correctly uh, a a Maserau. It's like a, yeah, yeah. it's like a, like I don't know, like a, almost like a samurai or something. Uh, they use they wield katana, and so like I had them doing stab attacks that lowered defense. I had a, a, a dragoon, which is kind of like your knight or paladin or protector in this game. Only they wield a gun, 
Um, oh, wait, wait. Dragoons wield guns in this game? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't know, I don't know if that's like a translation thing or they're just called Dragoons, but... Please tell me they jump with their guns. Well, it's a it's a first-person dungeon crawler, so they don't really do anything other than some flashy effects on the screen. Oh. But uh, it's... Huh. Basically, my chain fencer would basically follow up attacks made by other units in my group, and uh, you know, I, I put I put enough thought into it to know that to try to maximize how many follow ups they would do, you know, so I could basically deal as much damage as possible. Right. And then I had uh, I, I had basically my dragoons there to do defensive, you know, buffs and things, and then I had a warlock to do elemental skills um, and things like that. My group, for example, did not um, wasn't very good at doing like binding effects which is very common in these Etrian Odyssey games which basically are like they're like status effects but they prevent certain moves from being used and I that actually kind of bit me in the butt a couple of times because there's a couple of enemies where like it's much much easier if you can bind their head or whatever so they can't stop so they, so they stop passing magic oh, and okay, yeah, damage cool. to you uh -huh. um, but my group just wasn't very good at that and that's that's kind of the thing I like about these games is you know it's not always just um, like grind a bunch and then overpower them with levels, especially in the post game. Like especially like the final final post game boss is if if you're not don't know what you're doing and you're not well equipped to like counter them, you can't just be level ninety nine and beat them. You know you have to kind of coordinate your team. Um, makes sense. Yeah. But otherwise, uh, it's a pretty enjoyable game. It's not gonna you know, like I said, reinvent itself. Um, one thing that's a one thing that's also a pretty bit a pretty different from Etrian Odyssey four. Uh, is Zach the only one who's played Etrian Odyssey 4, James? I, I played it. Okay. Um, is There's no, like, airship, like, traversal anymore. Oh, okay. So, like, Etrian Odyssey 4 had, like, they had, like, dungeons separated on a world map, and you kind of had to get to the dungeon first. Of course. And then explore the dungeon. And so it was a little bit different than really every other game in the series, where, the, like, I think the biggest dungeon was, like, three floors tall. But there was multiple of them. Yeah. Um, so th this game, Etrian Odyssey 5, kind of goes back to 3 and before, where it's basically just one giant dungeon. There's no airship traversal, and there's nothing equivalent to that. Elaborate. Um, yeah. Which, honestly, I, I think I just kind of prefer. I kind of felt like the airship traversal just kind of like, it was almost like filler in a way. It just kind of like got in the way. Like, I just want yeah. to explore the dungeon. I mean, it's kind of like its own dungeon. And, you know, it's not like a big deal. It just It goes back to the kind of the... The, uh, the earlier style. And this is actually one thing I didn't realize. Etrian Odyssey 4 had a different director than the other games in the series. Yes, yes. I do remember. Where Etrian Odyssey 5 goes back to the the original director, I think. I don't know the names off the top of my head, but it's a different guy basically running it. Um, so you can, I think you can sort of tell. It's a little bit more like the earlier games. Uh, but otherwise, it's, you know... If you don't like first-person dungeon crawling, you're not gonna like it. But <laughs> so you know how how there's been like you know Etrian Odyssey Untold games that get like newer newcomers into like the older titles. Uh, is Etrian Odyssey Five like a good gateway to people who've never played the previous Etrian Odyssey games, or do you pref uh, recommend they play uh, a few of the earlier titles before hopping into Five? <laughs> okay, let me mention one thing. Let me mention one thing. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't even realize this till I kind of loaded up Etrian Odyssey Four to to check something, but. The Untold games basically sped things up even more in in terms of in battle and and just the, your walking speed even. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they're pretty snappy games in terms of moving around. 
and that carries over into five. So you, you, it's it's a pretty snappy game in terms of battle animations. You can kind of hold down a button and they kind of go by quickly. And traversing through the labyrinth, you move at pretty good pace. Then I went back to Etrian Odyssey 4 just to check a couple of differences. And I just I didn't realize how much slower it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yes. kind of going back to it. like, And that's, even, and that's not even as slow as like the original game, um, which is much, much slower in comparison. Um, so so Etrian Odyssey yeah. 5, in terms of like newcomers, it's going to be the snappiest game in the series. It's very quick. Um, but it is actually very story-light. And mm-hmm. all all the mainline games are the untold games add like a story element to them, but mm-hmm. they they kind of expanded a little bit from from like one to three two to three to four in terms of what the story was like and how much you know dialogue there was and things like that. Etrianasi Five does actually reel it back even a little bit, so it's 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 there's there's really some light character interaction, but that's about it. Um, it in fact, it almost feels like it has like a less of a storyline than Etrianasi Three. What's the what's the like just the brief 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 setup of like the story like what's what's it's literally there's a mysterious labyrinth they're not exactly sure of the origin of it so they want you to explore it great (laughs) it's that's (laughs) the the point yeah yeah um and like the thing is is like there's a couple of characters you meet in the labyrinth um and like they have a little bit of a tiny storyline like what they're doing in the labyrinth, which kind of culminates in like the third boss you meet in the game. And then once you beat that boss, which is like halfway through the game, then their their story is done. Like it's it's and then you kind of go on to like a slightly new little light story for like the fourth and the fifth sections of the labyrinth. So it's 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 just a very light plot. Yeah. So like I mean, you kind of have to people... if, if you're a newcomer to this series, you kind of have to understand that it's yeah. it's a very mechanical game. Um and that's just kind of how it is. I, I yeah, think that's, I think that's people sorry, aren't. Yeah, people aren't there really for the story in that yeah. Odyssey. It's definitely more for the gameplay. I mean, for a lot of people, I mean, this is kind of how I approach it with Dungeon Crawlers. It's that it's fun to be able to take the characters that you um, added to your party and create your own story. Oh, way. I should mention one thing. Um, this this has like this is something that has like no direct effect on anything, but it's just a neat little addition. Is in the, in the original games, the original games, the earlier games. You basically would pick a unit, and you'd have four portraits to choose from. Yeah, um, and that was it. I mean, they were pretty good. They they weren't just re- they weren't just recolors. Like they actually had like two different male portraits and two different female portraits for each unit, and they they actually had like slightly different stylings. Um, it wasn't just like a, a male and a female with like different change of hair, and that's it. Um, but in Etrian Odyssey 5, they actually expand that, where you have four portraits, and then once you pick your portrait, you can actually like change the unit's hair color. Um, and it's actually pretty... You, there's quite a few colors to choose from, and not only that, like each hair has two different shades. Oh, well, that kind of um, lights. Nice. That's yeah, nice. so like you can pick whatever you want for your shades. You can do the same thing with the eyes. Um, and there's even like 12 different skin tones. Wow, okay. um, that's cool. So, like, you can, it's just, it, like, obviously this has no effect on, like, the game itself, like, actually battling. But it's just kind of cool to have that little extra flair of personalization. Yeah. And also, uh, you can also change your, your unit's, like, battle voice. There, there's a very light voice acting in the game. It's English only, because there's not, there's really not that much voice acting in general. But um, you can kind of change your character's battle voice. Um, you know, they, they have, like... 14 different male and 14 different female types that you can choose from, or you can turn them off if you don't like voices. 
Is it so all, it's, it's like, pretty cool. Is it like English and Japanese or just? No, just English. Just, okay. I'm sorry. That's what you said. Yeah. That's, all, that's cool. I mean, that's that does seem like, to answer Josh's question, of course, that this does seem like the most accessible the series has been. Obviously, if you want a more story-driven game, you can get the Untold games, which are almost always on sale in the eShop. Uh, but if you just want the most, like, the essence of the Etronazi experience seems like this will be the, the one. But obviously, we'll have to wait for re- your review to find out more, though. Mm-hmm. My review right now, I'll just say it's mostly kind of explaining, like, what is new and different from the other games. Yeah. Um, Because that's really kind of the main thing is, like, the, how it changes things up. Um, and, you know, I touch on, like, the battle system a little bit, but it's it's a really straightforward game. It's uh, all very familiar territory to people right. that have played these games. So, mm-hmm. which is what okay. I want from that series. All right, awesome. And so, aside from that, though, um, I so heard... the only other game I've been playing yeah. is uh, Zelda. You know, I, I finished my this game. I have my review basically ready to go. So I'm like, you know what? I really need to just get Zelda finished. I've been like sitting on it for months. Uh, I have about a hundred shrines, and there's like 120 in the game. Jesus so it's getting there. almost there. <laughs> uh, what's your hour count? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's around 50. Maybe a little oh. less. That's 40. not bad. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, that's a lot less than I was expecting. Holy shit. <laughs> well, I haven't done any of the uh, uh, sh- the Divine Beast quests at all yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm doing the shrines first. Oh, so wow. I, done, like... I, might do, I might do that too, honestly. I'm about <laughs> that, to start that's pretty that cool. Game, so. Yeah. That seems Rad. like that's that's a perfect way to approach it, just because you get like a lot of the slightly busy work, and that takes well, more like mental uh, I, I, practice. So. Well, like that's the kind of cool thing about... Zelda and why I really like it is that it's so open mm-hmm. that what you decide to like do as a player is like totally up to you versus like other open world games you kind of have like a main storyline path that you kind of have to do and then you kind of have side quests that open up as you do it this is even more open than that and like I kind of decided the very first thing I wanted to do was get outfits and the reason why I wanted to get outfits was you can get things like that will basically protect Link when you're in, like, the cold areas and then protect Link when you're in the hot areas and then separately from that when you're in, like, the lava areas. So basically I wanted to get the outfits first, so basically I was not restricted on where I was going because that was kind of the first thing I wanted to kind of knock off my list. Good call. Good call. I didn't want to be restricted, like, oh, I can't go here yet because I'm going to burn up. And then once I got that, like, well, now that I have all the outfits, which took a while, um... Now I'm going to get now. Now I'm not restricted to where I'm going, and I'm going to get all the shrines as many as I can. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing. It takes a while. Have, have um, you been using any guides, or are you just going? I, I kind of have a. I'm cheating a little bit in the sense I have like a map that basically says like there's a shrine here. Oh, so like okay. I'm not like using a guide to like get through what the shrine puzzle is itself, but like oh okay, I know there's a shrine over here, so I'm going to go over there and get it. Yeah. So it's it's kind. I'm kind of at the point where I just kind of have a. I need to have a little bit of efficiency. And rather than spending a lot of time like exploring the whole world map and trying to find all 120 shrines by myself, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm gonna kind of just note where the shrines are and then get to them and then kind of figure them out myself. But I just can't really justify spending a lot of time just kind of wandering, even though the game is really cool to just explore into. Perfect. I mean, that's that's kind of it. And obviously, we've got other games to get to before the end yeah, of the year. So that's it. Saying. <laughs> that's really it. Uh, and there's still games to come out, so that's a big reason to do that so um after you done with the shrines are you you said you have to do like obviously well josh brought it up the divine beast are you just gonna focus on the story after this yep the four there's basically the four different main storyline things and then that's it are you playing in english or japanese or what voice i'm doing english but the english voice acting isn't 
the, the thing is, like, some of the voices are fine, but Zelda, who is basically the one who speaks far more than everyone else, <laughs> yeah. it's it's just kind of like a weird direction. It's flat? for her. Is it flat or? It's kind of like a pained British accent. It, it, it's oh. like it, it well, so. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. When it comes to English voice acting, the thing that kind of bugs me the most, how I like to describe it, is if it sounds like they're kind of putting like struggling to talk. Like it feels like it almost is like uncomfortable for them to speak. It's like, and yeah, Zelda it's, kind of like, Zelda kind of feels like it's uncomfortable for her to mm-hmm. speak. Yeah, and it's just, it's like it so it kind of feels almost fake in a sense. So that's like it's I I kind of just sticking with English just because you know first of all like there's uh, what I'm doing right now there aren't that many voice scenes because it's mostly in the storyline stuff and you know but it's not it is. Like it's, it's, I do think it's a good thing that they offer different languages to try out. Um, yeah, I heard I, that yeah. Spanish Zelda is actually really good. Yeah, <laughs> I heard it. I heard it. Like, it There's like a video oh. that compiled all of them, and you know, obviously oh, they really? had to patch in that that uh, that whole ability to change the voices after after the fact. So that was nice. I think like nine different languages. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. Cool. Like at every game localized, be nine different languages. I think that's really cool. Like back <laughs> even on like Lost Odyssey released, and they had like five different language tracks. Yeah. You know, obviously not every game can do that, but I just think that's really cool. Yeah, and they can do something like. It's really good. Obviously, for the the people that live there, it's nice to be able to re- recognize, you know, as opposed to just always playing English or only playing Japanese, that kind of thing. Yeah, I've, I've always wondered, like, you know, what kind of the voice acting scene is for, like, for like, the more smaller uh, countries that don't have, like, their languages represented as much. Well, I, I think what I've heard, and this kind of makes sense, like, Europeans tend to be more partial to, to, like, using Japanese audio because, to them, both English and Japanese are foreign languages. So if you are if you have to choose between one foreign language or another, oh, okay. you go with the original. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than, like, Americans, where it's, you know, native or foreign, so it's a little bit of a different makes choice sense. to make. Makes sense. Um, so. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Huh, interesting. Well, cool. So uh, you've got uh, Eternazi 5, like I said, the review coming up this week, and then Breath of the Wild. Uh, you're deep into it, apparently. Yep. That's cool. So uh, we'll move on then. Uh, James, I know you uh, have been playing some Chaos Child. Now, this is a substantial visual novel that was only recently, it seems like, announced for localization, but... Uh, you've been playing uh, a good amount of that. Now, obviously, we can't get too deep into it because it's a visual novel, so story-heavy, and I'm sure people yeah. don't, would not appreciate that if you talk too much about it. But in broad Definitely terms... Definitely not, especially since it just came out in Europe and it's not yeah. out in North America yet. So That's, no. That was the weird um, thing I heard, but yeah. It, it's something P-Cube's done with pretty much all of their visual novel releases. They'll release it in Europe like a few weeks before it comes out in North America. Yeah. It's just something they do. Um really great visual novel i mean my review's going up on tech raptor in a few days but uh what's the story set up <laughs> okay so All right. sequel to chaos head which was the first visual novel in the science adventure series which is what um the series that steinsgate is a part of and while it's a sequel it not so much a game that you need to um, read Chaos Head before you go into Chaos Child. Was Chaos Head ever localized here? No, officially. There's a fan translation, but Uh only for the original release and not the upgraded Chaos Head Noah release, which most people agree is the version that you would want to read. The the Chaos Head definitive version. 
to put in perspective, I believe there is only a few side routes in the original Chaos Head, and Chaos Head Noah adds a bunch of side routes that you can go for. Oh, okay. So obviously way more interesting, especially because I'm sure some of that stuff wouldn't get addressed in Chaos Child. Yeah. 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 Um, Chaos Child, the basis of the storyline is is, um, generally... Six years after the end of Chaos Head, the there was this um, tragedy called the Shibuya Earthquake that happened as a result of what happened in Chaos Head. And a bunch of the younger generation in Shibuya have been inflicted with what is described as a type of PTSD called Chaos, um, Chaos Child Syndrome. And so this whole Shibuya Earthquake was horrible, killed over a thousand people. It totally decimated the city. It's six years later, and <sighs> I describe it without really spoiling things. This is about um, uh, obviously the story begins from there, kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, what happens is is that going up to the Shibuya earthquake, there is this th- these series of murders called the New Generation Madness, and all of the people killed. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a title. Were, um, all of the people killed were killed in very gruesome honestly just weird ways like one was killed by having something like having their stomach like cut open and then something stuffed inside and then stitched right back up another person had their like brain scooped out of their head and shit like that oh <laughs> yeah right. it, it's really uh, messed up and um the thing that kind of brings the main character in Chaos Child into the story is there is a few at the very beginning of the story you see the devs of two people and they're very very odd deaths and it just so happens those first two deaths coincide with dates of new generation madness cases from six years prior and Miyashiro Takuru the main character notices that and with his desire to always be on the right side of the information divide he decides to he decides to start investigating these cases and basically from then on out as he gets more intertwined with the return of the new generation madness that's how the story really kind of goes off the deep end oh that's that's one hell of a setup yeah it's really really interesting like the setup alone is interesting but are are there like uh because I, I remember back in uh, Chaos Head, I, I did read the fans' translation, just the original one, a uh, good handful of years ago. But I know there was a system in it that kind of had like this insanity or sanity. There, yes. Yeah, okay. So, so basically, um, the yeah, first time you play through the game, or read through the visual novel, I should say, you're always going to see the same events. It's always going to end the same way. There's a common route, basically? Yeah, a common route. Mm-hmm. And once you read the common route, then you have the option of discovering different routes for a variety of the game's female characters. So the way that you find those routes is that you view the positive delusions for um, any events surrounding those girls. So okay. if you want to go on, for example, the character Nono Kurusu's route, then army for or yeah. If you want to go on her route, then you need to view all the positive delusions for her route and not view all the positive delusions for the rest of the characters. Uh, when you view them, is it like a, an option that, that they're presented with? Or do you have to like, or is there like a device like the cell phone in Steins Gate where you have to like kind of know when to check it? 
um, you'll know when you're going to have the option to view a situation positive or negative because okay. the screen will flash and you'll have two circles, one blue, one red, go to um, separate sides of the screen and you'll see the outlines of those circles. And then that's when you start to choose whether or not you want to activate or skip a delusion trigger. Okay. All right. So it's very obvious you're not going to miss anything because the game makes it very obvious that a delusion trigger can happen at this point. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um, again, don't want to spoil anything, yeah. but... How, how long does it uh, take to like do read like one route, like comment, and then one person's route? I tend to read visual novels and text-heavy RPGs pretty quickly, so I hesitate to really make any strong statements about the length of the game because how, how about you then uh, for speed readers a uh, speed readers um, uh <laughs> first route the common route alone took me 30 hours oh, wow holy shit <laughs> and um basically i know that kotaku when they did an import review of it they said the whole game was like 70 hours for them and for me getting the true route took me 53 so 70 hours for someone that's not a crazy speed reader does make sense okay that's a uh... It's a long visual novel. Yeah. yeah, and you don't you don't need to have read Chaos Head to get into it. You do uh, not. Okay. Yeah, there is um, references, but basically any references that you need to know, the game explains for you anyway. Okay, that's good. That's a uh, that's cool that like uh, they're bringing more of these uh, uh, science adventure visual novels here because for the longest time, you know, Five uh, PB and Mages have been kind of coy about the uh, the prospect of local, uh, an official localization for them. Uh, yeah, we get here. we get the anime, just not the visual novel itself, which is kind of annoying. <laughs> That's when you get yeah. one. Um, uh, I guess there a... up, I definitely want to say that Chaos Child of all the um, science adventure visual novels that I've read is probably my favorite. It's, wow, cool! It's better than Science Gate. I'm gonna say that. Dang, That's a tall I mean, order. I I po- I tweeted out something a few days ago where I basically said that Chaos Child is probably my the favorite my favorite VN I've ever read, and I wasn't. I wasn't joking when I said that. <gasps> what a, what a, what platforms is this available on? Um, Vita and PS4. Okay. Still the Vita, man. Oh, that's I'm glad that the Vita's still getting games, even if it's there, special novels. Is there cross save support for people who like want to no. read this? Okay. No, that's that's a shame. Not that mm. that's a big deal, but that would be kind of nice. That actually makes a lot of sense to have something like that in a visual novel. Is there any other visual novels that actually do that though? Cross save. Uh... I don't know. I don't have to top my head. Yeah, because I mean, uh, the only thing I could think of is like Utara Romano, but that's not quite the same. That's a strategy RPG. I mean, I don't, I don't read much visual novels, so maybe like they're everywhere with the Atome like releases, but I have no idea. Maybe, but most, a lot of those recent releases have only been just applied to exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, but uh, that that actually, I I think that'd be a great idea just to be able to take that wherever you go, or just put them all on the Switch where you can take it with you. So, uh, and just well, the last um, thing, like how's, how's like the translation localization? Yeah, um, the translation's good, except for a few minor, well, some minor, some major problems. But I think the meat of the localization is very good. Mm-hmm. You have some typos. You do have some places where the grammar does seem to have some issues, like or, like punctuation. That sucks. The major problem I do have with localization is that there are some things that aren't necessarily text in, like on in the text box, that isn't translated. Like early on in the game, like in the first murder you see, which is literally the first thing you read in the entire visual novel. So it it is technically a spoiler, but it's like first hour spoiler, so not a big deal. Um, you'll see these um, not Nico Nico do, um, Doga comments scrolling through the screen. 
those aren't translated. Those are still in Japanese. And then later on in Kazuki's um, route, there's um, one section where you have to mark places on a map, and you're given these street addresses and like area names to to guide you, but the actual map itself, all the locations are still in Japanese. Oh, <laughs> shit, that's that stupid. That's bad. Yeah. Um, that's basically the worst problem. There's also mm-hmm. like one, like two lines right at the very, like right at the climax of the game where basically right after, um, right as things are, again, at the climax of the game, there is a kind of mini cutscene where you see two lines. Like if you've played, if you've read through Steins Gate Zero before they released the patch translating the very ending of it, it's kind of like that. So it's, oh, it reminds great. me of like Tokiden, where like the final cutscene was Jap- If you played in Japanese, you I, well, you couldn't actually. I think that was the only choice is that it was still in Japanese and they didn't put subtitles. And you're like, you're completely lost. You're like, wow, this was great. <laughs> that, that, that reminds me of um, when I was going through the first nights of Azure, like the the, the encounter you have with the with the final boss of that game. That whole scene is doesn't have subtitles, so it's just in <laughs> Japanese. Just like, uh... It's like this kind of like an important cutscene, you know. Yeah. And I had it, it was fine. I could understand it. But I was just like, mm, man, I don't know to about be fair this. About the um climax and chaos child it's not really plot relevant information it's just Good. literally two lines it, um okay. and it's pretty easy to understand what they're saying i feel like even if you don't know japanese like if you know just yeah it's it's fairly obvious what he's what he's it's, it's from from the happenings around Perception, it you pretty yeah. know what they would say yeah. at that yeah. point okay that's good. But still. Yeah, I mean, the big problem for me is, again, that map. And uh, basically, if I didn't already know Japanese, that probably would have I would have been stuck there for a while. So it's it's out yeah. now in Europe, and it's going to be out in America by the end of the month? Is that it? Yes. Sweet. Okay. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. For That's sure. Cool. And also, I see that you're playing some Titan Souls. Now, I played a, um, I actually beat that game back when there was like a new PlayStation Plus title. Uh, and really enjoyed it. As far as it was like, it was basically like Shadow of the Colossus style boss rush. Uh, how's that been treating you? Um, it was really spur of the moment I, that I decided to play it. Like um, the other <laughs> yeah. day, a friend of mine just um, um, wanted to hang out, so we did. And then uh, he just got a PlayStation Four Pro, so when I was hanging out with him, he said, "Hey, do you want to play something on my old uh, my old PS4, and we can like load some of your games on there?" And so we played some Overwatch, but. Uh, Overwatch wasn't on his um, PS4 Pro yet, so he had to download it. Oh, that's a lot of patches, that. yeah. Um, while he was w- um, waiting for that to download, I was like, you know what? I'm going to see if I can play something here. And I n- remembered, oh yeah, Titan Souls is a small game that I can download quick. Mm-hmm. And I remembered it looked kind of interesting, so I downloaded it, and I went through basically the entire game in like a single two-hour sitting. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah, dude. it's pretty short. It's pretty short. It's so. very short, but um, I really like the boss battles. It's really makes you feel like the, the, just for a bit of setup. The Titan Souls was like this indie game that came out. I want to say two years ago. I forget the developers uh, off the top of my head, but it's yeah. kind of like this two uh, D kind of not isometric, but uh, just top down. Yeah, yeah, top down two D pixel art style, but the the con- the the bosses in themselves it's not like there's a, they have a very specific weakness and hitbox to actually damage them and yeah. it, it's and it's uh it's very like I, I forgot if you died a single hit in that game yes or... yes you, oh, you and the boss die in a single hit. 
and you'd have to load back into the most recent like save area or checkpoint area and that's typically like nearby but yeah it's but it's about exploiting that weakness and just takes a shot and then you you can basically move on and it's great to be able to like figure out the right strategy to take him down like there was one boss i think i tweeted about it i beat it in like in 10 seconds uh just by like randomly figuring it out immediately what his weakness was and just catching it like on a trick shot so that game was really fun and it was like i said it was free on playstation plus so anyone who actually picked that up before just never tried it it's definitely worth playing if that yeah i mean that's... it's only like two hours long yeah it's, it's the bosses are challenging but i wouldn't oh. say it's too difficult because no. um again you only have to hit them once so once you figure out what you need to do it doesn't take too long to figure out how to actually finish them off it's timing you know it's a lot of it's just timing based and so once you figure out yeah. the, the pattern of the boss or their tells then it's pretty straightforward at that point uh obviously just the one hit one kill uh aspect of it you die in one hit uh that is the biggest challenge of it all especially to, as you get near the end it's it sometimes those bosses can be super weak uh super um, yeah uh mean to you <laughs> they're, they're just uh, like cheap. one boss in uh, in well, one boss specifically that really gave me a hard time was um, this kind of plant boss where it had yeah, these, yeah, like, yeah. these thorn arms. You know which one I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. God, that one was a pain in the ass. It just kind of, out of nowhere, it just destroying you. That's That was the, the pain. And I, I would have it would have been nice if the checkpoints were a little bit closer at times because you were usually just having to go all the way back. Uh, but, you know... The... Well, thankfully for that boss specifically, the checkpoint was really close yeah, by. Yeah, so. that, one, that one was great. And you just roll your way back. <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah, you're like a tiny little speck and you have like these gigantic... And you're, giant, you're, you're a tiny sprite and these gigantic bosses that you're fighting. Like I said, it's like Shadow of the Colossus in a way, in the way it's designed. It's only bosses, no enemies in between, and that's what's kind of the fun part of it. It also gives the game a lot of its atmosphere uh, and uh, some great moments where you're traversing like this gigantic area to get to the boss and it's kind of silent and so you're just like confused about what's happening the environments change and it gets like different types of weather patterns such like that uh based on where you go it's a pretty cool game that's that's kind yeah. of the gist of it yeah i'm glad that i finally played it because yeah wouldn't have played it otherwise if i didn't have nothing else to do so that's uh, that's how i uh uh got through fury like i was over at uh my parents house like uh last year and as i was waiting around uh with my little brother he had a fury installed on his ps4 and i uh, did a one like a few hour sittings well a one sitting several hours with it beat it in one one go it's nice he was just watching me yeah playing those yeah. short games it's pretty nice like two or three hour games is is really appealing when you're mostly reviewing rpgs that take 30 40 hours you know <laughs> yeah so real good Cool. So, yeah, uh, then moving into Josh, uh, speaking of long games, uh, you've been playing some Metal Earth Shadow of War. Now, we just yeah. we put a review up on the site for that, but how's been your experience with that game? That just came yeah, out. Yeah, Alex Seedhouse uh, reviewed it for our site. And so this is kind of the, the polar opposite of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Adam and I have been kind of been talking about it, like, how Zelda is very open-ended like it's the choices are made up for the uh, it's all up on the player you know there's not like a obvious like a checklist that uh that you're that's guiding you in Zelda meanwhile and you know Middle Earth uh, Shadow of War the it's very much you know like modern open world uh game design where like there's a bunch of things to do a checklist I, I actually like Shadow of Mordor 
uh, from a few years back. I really, really... Uh, oh, it was, was damn good. Yeah, I wasn't expecting much from it, but it blew me away. Yeah. It kind of so, felt like a modern like Batman Arkham, where it was like yeah. a licensed game. Nobody expected to you know, be that well-received, both critically and commercially, I think. So like, this is kind of a modern licensed franchise that apparently is still going strong. It's, yeah, it's I mean, the nemesis system, right? That's like the big thing that you thought more like other companies would pick up on, but it's still its signature feature, which is what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird that like no more companies haven't really uh, like done that t- type of uh, deal yet. Mm-hmm. It's uh, But Middle... Uh, man, Shadow of War is basically... Picks up where the first game left off. Uh, Talion was his name, I think. The the main dude and yeah. Celebrimbor or his ghost friend. Uh, we're making forging a new ring. I'm not a big, you know, Lord of the Rings guy, dude. I'm yeah, not like it's barely Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it, exactly. So I mean, I I hear that the more you're into Lord of the Rings, the more this game will piss you off. Yeah, like how they violate the lore and whatever. I'm like, okay, I got that. Yeah, that was yeah. easy enough. But that's why you just let it go, and then it's that's fine. it. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a weird thing with these games, worth Shadow Mortar, Shadow Wars. Like I don't, I'm not there for the story. I'm there oh. for for the gameplay because the the story just garbage. Just, yeah, don't play it for the story for sure. Like. The, the the worst parts in Shadow of War is the story missions that I've, uh, <laughs> yeah. I've been going through. And I've, I've been having to go through them because uh, uh, right off the gate, the not, not really a big spoiler because it's on the opening cutscene. After you forge your new ring, it's, you kind of give it up to Shelob, which is uh, you know the giant spider in the last Lord of the Rings movie and uh, taking form of the sexy lady you know, in this new one why because is, is that like explained at all like no not like, really not even like some garbage just bullshit explanation just no. she's now no, like humanoid no it's just kind of like eh okay whatever she's yeah. a sexy no, girl no really, now that's the thing no one right? really acknowledges it <laughs> yeah so it's like okay um that was the controversy so, around it i remember when that she was first shown they're like oh of course you can make her a sexy lady that's the thing yeah, yeah. so you kind of have to give up the new ring that you forged to get back your your ghost buddy and nine hours in uh, this, I'm I'm barely getting that ring back because like you need that ring to start dominating, uh, you know, orcs and you know building your army. So I'm not too like well versed on like that aspect of the the game yet. Uh, I barely just got there, but the they really expanded the Mesa system to, system in like a very smart way. Like there are definitely systems laid on top of you i haven't gotten to that point yet where it feels overwhelming because i hear that's when you start dominating and building your army that's when it starts getting overloaded but they definitely you know laid systems on top of systems on top of that nemesis system already now that you have loot they're all color-coded you can have epics legendaries rares whatever and then uh on on those ones you have like weapon challenges to like uh unlock a new perk like if say you stealth drain uh three enemies you'll you can unlock a perk uh, for it that will uh, get you uh, health recovery back on every time you do a stealth kill. Uh, you can uh, slot them with gems, and then when you get gems, you can uh, upgrade them to like higher uh, tiers of gems, like lifesteal, if you have enough of the smaller gems and whatnot, um, along with you know your, your skill tree uh, and side quests and you know checklists on top of checklists like hey if you do this additional objective and this side quest you'll gain an additional skill point Ooh. and uh, and whatnot so but the the thing that really shines out to me in this game is just the like several sites have uh the shred as like an orc dating simulator and it kind of is because 
the there are several personalities throughout the orcs that uh really shine like all of them have like really snappy uh dialogue uh well written whatnot and it's it's cool because you could like i like going uh barging in on like uh, a new orc to slay because i want to see what kind of orc they are like there's this orc that's like kind of like a poet and he speaks only in rhymes while there's this other orc that you meet that like uh, is very kind of like uh just he has that perspective of like I don't know what's your beef with like all our orcs man aren't you like aren't you only here for like one orc why can't you leave like the rest of us you know why can't you leave the rest of us orcs alone you know I saw some things uh, almost kind of viral where like you have orcs that are like minstrels almost like sing song like exactly (laughs) and it's it's very it's very cool that like they do that because like the like the the one who speaks in rhymes like the poet one became like a uh kind of a, a nuisance after a while but in a, in a good way because he he kept cheating that he je- he cheated death like two to three times for me and like by that third time like i met him his face was all fucked up like it, like he has bandages all over it. he's like burnt all over the place and he's still speaking in rhymes like uh kind of like no whimsically yeah like he's still i'm still fucking back for you I'm like all right and the the, the nice thing about it is like it's way more fluid in the way that you encounter these things too like uh orcs can ambush you from out of nowhere two to three times at a, at a time uh at times and some orcs will like have like a bodyguard that speaks for them so like this orc uh, several orcs that like they don't speak for them but they have like a little buddy with them that speaks for them kind of talking some back to you yeah yeah you go yeah, you exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much and uh, and there's this one bizarre time where i was like okay i'm gonna hunt down that orc next and then uh, right as like I, I went back to like my uh, game, immediately after I got out of that menu, he just spawned right by me. He's like, hey, I heard that you were tracking me down. I'm like, holy shit. What the fuck? <laughs> it's like a new. And, yeah. It, it's cool that like has like fourth wall breaking moments like that. And I can't wait to, like, you know, uh, dig in more of like how you construct your army, there, how you set up relationships, how you plan in spies and set up betrayals and whatnot. That seems all crazy because they still have that whole traits thing of like these are what they're weak to uh and if you like abuse like a certain tactic against them like repeatedly they'll start adapting like if you keep vaulting over them again and again they're like hey get off me and that you vaulting will no longer work on them oh, you know, like, so yeah, kinda... issue, like a issue like an arrow and then they get armor mm-hmm. that protects them from arrows that kind of thing yep again, yeah. yep so, uh, so uh, you, can, you always have to vary up your tactics uh against uh, your enemies in there because you you don't want to get to, up to the point where you've been abusing all these things and then they were just like invincible to like everything except this one specific tactic. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you never want to get to that because at the end, uh, Mordor Endgame was kind of like that where you had you were running into all these like captains and war chiefs and they're just, they're just like, hey, like the only thing that you can really damage them is like if you get, uh, if there's a Karagor nearby and they're ravishing them, you know, and <laughs> yes. whatnot. Um, but like this is kind of like a superhero game in the sense that like you're just you're just buff as hell like you gain skill points very easily i i already have all the like i barely level 17 or 18 but i have all all the skills unlocked and the only thing i haven't wow. like uh like done yet is like there's like three branching like skill modifiers per skill that like you can start investing in like say hey you can like uh put this enemy on ice as a core skill but one of the modifiers right is like you can like unleash like an ice storm like in front of you if you decide to go that route uh it has all the you know it's it's just very open-ended i think the the thing that is i still feel weird on but i think i like it uh as 
time goes on is there's no longer the big open world maps that you had in the first one or the the two big open worlds this one is more sectioned off like the first like kind of opening area you're like at this uh castle uh town area and so maps are kind of or regions are more smaller than the shadow mordor but they're more condensed more populated they're like the amount of uh orcs that are on screen at any given time are is ridiculous you can be surrounded up to 30 to 40 orcs at any given time a- along with like three captains that are just constantly ambushing you and it's, and it's just like it's it's crazy and it's populated and i think i like I, I like that because I like the combat system. Yeah, Alex yeah. was saying in his review that, like, especially later in the game, like, this game, I think he actually said, like, it sometimes gets kind of chaotic. It is. Right. Where, and that, like, he, but that's kind of, like, a good thing because, like, and he kind of said the same thing. Like, there's just so many layers of, like, complexity to, like, the, 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 I don't know, the gameplay design and the combat and everything. So, like, this, it's kind of frenetic and chaotic and it just kind of works in its favor. Um, the stuff to do. I, which is, right. yeah. <laughs> which is better than yeah. most like big open world games where you like you have to go like for distances without anything to do. So yeah, so I mean, I, I, this is also like one of the weird ones that's a uh, kind of a weird takeaway from the Mad Max game that Warner Brothers uh, uh. did is when you climb up towers to go purify this hand dollars or whatever uh, to go uh, reveal certain portions of your map. Uh, after you like uh, purify them, you're taken to this kind of like. Uh, mini game where you have to like search for all the side quests and other collectibles in an area like you know you'll you'll scroll around like the the area and the, it'll start your controls start giving like you know vibrations and hints of like this uh encompassing circle and you're saying hey you're close uh to finding this thing and, it, and it's just kind of like boring because there's you're i, I kind of wish it's like after pixel you, hunting yeah after you, you um purify an area to like reveal part of it i just want all the things to like be filled in i don't want to spend like you know the next 30 seconds like hey where where everything where's everything in this area you know and it, it does have like a like you know a checklist at the top saying hey there's like uh, like three like collectibles nearby hey uh, but you have to spot them on the map first and it just it just doesn't bring much to the game it doesn't add on anything it's just a lot of fluff uh yeah. the, it so sounds I, boring. Well, that, it, it, that, that's, that's a, but uh, other than that, like the actual gameplay itself, it's still uh, very engaging. The story is forgettable and not really fun. like story quests are just kind of eh, take them or leave them. Uh, but everything else, like interacting with the orcs and the nemesis system, is still the best part of that game. And I'm I'm curious to like you know see more of it. And it's kind of crazy like the big army building thing that was like pitched as this game is like now unlocked for me like nine hours in and I was like wow <laughs> and it's a it took a long way to get here i like in retrospect i probably should just mainline story missions but i like doing side quests like when i when the, if they're there that can get to them I'm like okay i'm just gonna fucking do it you know well and i'm oh, sorry go ahead and, and I, I the the neat thing about the, this too is like it, it goes a little bit more into Celebrimbor's uh, backstory like several side quests will like have you controlling him like back when he was still human or uh, elf uh, instead of like an undead, uh, grumpy man, uh, so you kind of have a little bit of uh, a little bit of backstory there, which is kind of cool, I guess. But, and I guess the the this other side of the equation that you know people always want to like when it comes to this game, and the only thing that you hear about of it, it is like this, the loot box aspect of it, and you know, the loot box in this game is there are several kinds of crates. Uh, some will give you gear, which you should never actually open or like buy, 
because you get so much loot drops from like just playing the game normally, like off of captains and whatnot. And there are also uh, loot boxes to like uh, get like legendary orcs on your side for your armies and whatnot. And this all feeds into like the whole uh, debate of like there's this post game called Shadow Wars, and I'll, apparently through this post game you can find the true ending. And I don't know exactly how what that entails and whatnot <laughs> because once again I'm uh, barely getting into that aspect of it, but. I think it just brings up, uh, you know, the larger conversation of you know, loot box in video games now. And, you know, it's it, w- it wasn't invented by Overwatch, but it's certainly popularized by Overwatch. You start seeing, like, you know, uh, how much profit that Activision Blizzard is uh, getting yeah, and in. Yeah, Dota 2, yeah, those types of Yeah, they, they bring in, I think it, it was uh, reported to, like, be around 3 to $4 billion in just loot boxes alone. Yeah. Now, remind, in Shadow of War... Can you like spend like real money to get yeah the loot boxes? That's, that's okay. Yeah, yeah that's you thing. you could definitely spend additional real money to gain like gold currency to use that gold currency to buy loot boxes. Now I was looking at the like the exchange rates of whatnot uh, and that it's kind of uh, I I don't know exactly how much the like the how much the loot boxes affect the end game. I don't actually have a clear picture yeah. of the bigger picture, but you see it in other games like Forza Seven now. You see it in uh, upcoming uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. You see an aspect of it in Assassin's Creed Origins, but I believe in Assassin's Creed Origins, you you can't buy the currency to. Yeah, for the so, yeah, I like Horizon. Like it was actually kind of weird. Like Horizon, like in one city or maybe two, like in not very many places, you can buy kind of like these randomized boxes with like in-game like part money. That's like in-game money, not your own money, just you know the in-game currency. But like it's not really a loot box, and also it's kind of like. Not necessary at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think, like, by the time I, like, I mean, maybe I'm just oblivious, but by the time I, like, found the vendor that has that sort of thing, it's like, I don't need any, like, random equipment at this time. Well, anyway. I got I got asked then. Uh, Overwatch made this an amazing part of it. Uh, how's the opening animation for the loot boxes in uh, <laughs> Shadow War? They're... Kind of bland. To oh, be then I don't uh, want to spend any money on that shit. I saw people uh, likening it to, uh, like, uh, what's the slots? You know, shiny oh, and it's, you it's... know, colorful and you know, sounds and yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's, <laughs> all that jazz. But like, you know, you're, you're, yeah. if you've already played like you know Japanese gacha games, you're already spoiled on uh, opening animations for them because oh, then they enjoy to go all in on that. When you go to like Grand Blue and Fate Go, they're just like, oh, Fate Go is like a big burst of light. At least with like Grand Blue, it's like, hey, there's like a shining crystal, and you don't know because the colors on the outside, you can tell immediately if you got something good. Overwatch, it's like they play around with the seasonal events. So like now it's like a jack, like it's like one of those um. Oh. <laughs> candy what do you call them baskets i don't know uh that's like a it's like a jack-o'-lantern and it just bursts open and you get what i got which was complete shit <laughs> I've, I've opened like 11 chests i've gotten nothing so far in that game so yeah loot boxes I, I, yeah i know there's a obviously probably loot boxes are here to stay i, of course. I think that, yeah, uh, right. because when you think about like you know the the rising cost of development in games they need to try to maximize their profit margins trying to get money back from their investment into developing the game Games and you know it, it, yeah. it, it's also just highlighted by the fact that you know from the ps3 to ps4 generation you know there is no rise in uh like retail copies it's still 60 dollars and whatnot and you know just because you know in the, america let's be clear it's yeah, it's, it's gone yeah. up in canada and europe and australia yeah. and all those other places but yeah but um it, it's tough because obviously we, we don't spend 
like you know extra for games like when we buy them new but yet the the cost of development in games is just skyrocketing mm-hmm. it's it's getting to you know a, a boiling point i imagine but so they use these loot boxes you know to kind of make investments safer try to uh, recoup the the costs of development because you, it, it's an all too a common story these days uh, tragic but uh, say let happy the Mass Effect Andromeda you know that the game cost millions of, to make but it didn't sell back obviously obviously uh, how much it meant in development so you see that studio quickly go under you saw you know layoffs you saw people leaving you saw people getting you know and it's just you, you see it too often that like a new game comes out, it doesn't do as well in its first three months. So so you see that press release one day that says, hey, you know, um, uh, we let go, uh, you know, like 30 of our, our staff members. Uh, well, we wish them the best, but not. And, on the flip side, at least, you know, Cuphead just passed a million units sold in two yeah. weeks. So that's, I mean, that's like, the, it means like, yeah, even on the smaller uh, experiences, those seem to do pretty well. But the AAA space is like on on the rocks pretty much right yeah and then it's, it's always but cuphead is thankfully a success story but you, mm-hmm. I, i'm sure there are many 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 other indie games that like hope to be success stories but they're not so but that's the ones that we don't hear of no i mean was it good life failed its fig crowdfund by a significant amount and now it's gonna have a kickstarter sometime like maybe later this year or next yeah. year so it's one of those things where like they couldn't even get the funding because people don't know the rising cost of game development like you're talking about Mm-hmm. But the, the so the, there's a reason why loot boxes are here. But the 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 bigger conversation is like at the moment, since it's still like a fresh concept to you know the game space, uh, like the console game space, uh, of like people are saying it needs to be regulated, but they can't they can't really pinpoint of like what they mean, but like how you regulate it. Mm-hmm. So let uh, let's kind of give like a little bit of like a backstory, like how it's kind of regulated, like over in Japan and China and whatnot. Because you know loot boxes are not a, not a new thing; they're, they're very prevalent in uh, you know Japanese gacha games. Uh, you spend money to earn currency to like go go roll for like weapons, characters, armor, whatnot. And what the it, this was a big big problem a few years ago in side games and Grand Blue Fantasy, and that was the reason that they actually got a, a fairly recent Japanese law passed over there because people were just get. Let's let's call for it. They were gambling their lives away to try to get you know yep. a character they really wanted, right? So their regu- their regulations now are one they have to it's mandated mandated that there there's a percentage table on their on their loot saying that like hey uh, for a five star SSR uh, character it only be like one percent and uh, like a four star like three five percent and so forth and whatnot. Uh, basically telling you the odds of getting it so at least people have a have a heads up of like what to, what to expect when they roll will they will that stop them no but it's just it's just kind of formalizing it yeah uh, and two uh whenever you buy uh currency uh from any of these uh, mobile games they always uh, do an age check you know like they ask you for your birthday or they ask you how old you are and I believe uh, how it, uh, the math uh, works out is if you're under like 13 or 14 years old, if you're underneath that, you can only uh, purchase it once a month. If you're like 14 through 20, you can only do it like maybe three to four times a month. And then obviously from 21 on, there's an unlimited amount of times you can purchase that currency. Oh, they lost a lot of money from that then, it sounds like side games, because obviously there was no checks like that before. So they mm-hmm. made billions of dollars at that rate. 
Yeah, I mean, they still make an absurd amount of oh, money. Oh, yeah. yeah. Worldwide. Yeah, yeah, but obviously, the more regulations you put on that, uh, profit margins will be slashed, and then you have to uh, kind of cure... Uh, that's, profit forecast. That's why I bet that's yeah, part yeah. of the big reason why S and K had to. I mean, uh, isn't, that, isn't that the reason why is because they passed those laws? S and K couldn't find the profits anymore in the arcade market, uh, and so they had to go back to console games. <laughs> it's because those laws yeah, yeah, passed. It, it, it probably would have uh, yeah. fed into that a, a bit, yeah. And because you know, when you gambling is technically illegal in Japan, but there are uh, certain like you know loopholes around it, especially you know the pachinko machines where you. Uh, you're you're basically doing a slot machine, but you're awarded uh, balls that you can exchange for currency, yeah. and then so you still get a payout for it. But you're just there's just a middleman in it, and th- so when people ask for regulation here, like the the at best, well, what this how this will shake out after a couple of years uh, is that we'll finally get you know kind of the loot percentage tables in games, and there's nothing inherently wrong with loot boxes if it's like cosmetic only like if you were to at least implement it i'm I'm still kind of on the side of like i don't like the concept of loot boxes because they're they're predatory to like the like instincts or gambling tendencies yeah, yeah, yeah. of and people even if they aren't gambling themselves they employ many of the same tactics to gambling. Yes. Well, yeah, it's, like, it, yeah. it's still like you know caresses that part of your brain that uh says hey i need to like roll more i need to roll one more i just need to like if I can just like uh, spend this amount of money and roll like three more times, I-, I think I'll get it. And if you don't get it, you just wanna, it, you you fall into that vortex. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean EA and 2K games are blatant with that, especially like the new NBA 2K18. It's all over the damn place. Like it, loot boxes and currency purchasing, and of course their special cars and stuff like that. That's huge, yeah. and it's gambling. It's straight up gambling. It's all yeah. it is. And kids uh, are playing it. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Is there's no age gates as well right now, no. which you know the, the gotcha does have age gates. Well, will people? But much like how you know when a video uh, or page restricts your age, do you? If you're 13 years old, are you gonna say, "Oh yeah, I'm 13 years old"? I'm like, "Oh no, I was born in like 1978." Oh yeah, the age gate is purely just for the government regulations. It has nothing to do with like if you lie, they can't really do anything. They don't check for that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, but it it would be a nice first step to like at least get some of that uh, same implementations in place of like a, of an age check and a percentage table. Will will it yeah, uh, will nice. it actually? But will anything actually solve like the inherent like you know psychological aspect of loot boxes? No, unfortunately, because once you start uh, rolling those out, uh, you're already making the commitment that you know you. You want this thing to be profitable for however many years uh, on end yeah, and whatnot. It's kind of uh, the difficulty, of course, is you're comparing free to play games with a game like Shadow of War with 60 bucks plus those mm-hmm. other boxes. That's, yeah. that's kind of, and that, it's all up in your face too, which is. Yeah, the, that, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it is kind of pretty <laughs> all up in your face. Like I'm I saw, thinking, I saw like, footage, it, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. When, um, when, you, when you go to the main menu, it'll advertise that. But it's specials? also like, hey, Hey. Kind of unrelated, but it just reminds me of a conversation I was having with my friend the other day. Like, um, like when I was with him and playing like Titan Souls and whatnot, um, we were both on this party with a bunch of our other friends, and pretty much everyone I talked to, and they're not even huge gamers, but everyone I talked to in that party basically said they're 
outright avoiding games with loot boxes in them nowadays unless mm-hmm. they're free to play because they're really sick about how every game is getting those freaking loot boxes nowadays. Yeah, I, I, I have the, you know, a friend, group of friends that, you know, that are the same of the same mindset. So, like, there's a really tough situation because, you know, obviously publishers don't want to, like, uh, don't want, like, developers to go under, but they need those developers to meet a certain uh, margin of their product as well. And the most obvious answer right now is obviously the trend of loot boxes. So we'll probably see that in, like that as an ongoing thing in the next few years. And also, like, uh, it sucks that like they want more after you, your initial $60. But at the same time, if you, pur- if you purchase Shadow of War for $60 and you really, really, really love it and you want to play more of it, you know, then definitely if you want to support them, like and you want to and you're willing to like part with like 10 to 15 dollars to to go throw at them for loot boxes that's you know that's fine that's your money and there's nothing wrong with that but i think it's just uh, more of the core issue of loot boxes and what it does to people uh and, and it's definitely not these loot boxes aren't like you know catered for us who are like very big into games they're more catered to people that are more casual players that don't have much time on their hands that want more of an easy access to like you know i don't want to get it like see i don't want to like grind for gear i just like i'm willing to like spend 15 dollars like for the chance of getting better gear yeah i feel like that's a bit disingenuous though because who's to say that there would be that much grind in the first place if the loot boxes weren't in there hmm. anecdotally i've been hearing from a lot of people that played both the original shadow of mortar and shadow of war that they feel like the amount of grind needed in shadow of war is higher than the amount of grind that was needed in the first Shadow of Mordor. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. so I, I mean, you're uh, saying that, yeah. oh, it's there for the players that don't have as much time. I feel like that's very disingenuous because they could just design the game so that grind isn't really as necessary or that if you choose an easier difficulty, the grind is a lot easier. I don't feel like it's fair to say that, oh, it's just there to make it easier for other players when the inverse could also be true, that they could just make it easier without putting in loot boxes. I, I would say at least also that um, I think it's ter- it's terrible when they add it in when it's actually, uh, you know, substantial weapons and armor and stuff like that. Whereas with, say, Overwatch, it's all cosmetic. I think mm-hmm. that's the big um, difference there. It's that, and like PlayerUnknown's Battleground, it's cos- cosmetic, even if you can yeah. sell that stuff on the Steam Marketplace, which is why a lot of... Still, it's, still, it's still gambling, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah PlayerUnknown's Battleground, much. it's super popular because a lot of it's just Chinese bot players just standing around while... Yeah. It, it's, it's, not yeah, like, it's, it's not like an, yeah, it's not like an Overwatch where you, you can't have Overwatch, so. I'm perfectly fine with, at least for now. It's because cosmetic. it's all... Over- yeah, yeah, it's all cosmetic. Yeah. And they I'm, are... not, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a great situation. I'm not saying it's a correct situation, but uh, there there are two sides of the coin on this, and it's it, like as a, it's very much growing pains right now as more people, as the market tests what people are willing to deal with, right? Uh, and that that's why publishers are definitely taking more of a bigger risk to see what people are, are are willing to tolerate and that's that's a really bad thing to say but that's kind of you can feel the truth in it i, uh, I, I i'm sorry to cut you off but i yeah. just also want to say at least that it's kind of hard for me to feel that um interested with shadow of war because at least with overwatch blizzard's given out like free maps and characters and things like that shadow of war is a single player game and so the idea that they would reinvest that back to the experience it doesn't have like a big multiplayer component to it as opposed to say Mass Effect, where like Mass Effect Three multiplayer, Mass Effect Andromeda, where it has multiplayer, so like you can find ways where they can reinvest it. With uh, an Overwatch, yeah, it's like they get a lot of stuff 
added to it, so you're getting $60 plus a ton of extra content on top of that. With Shadow of War, it's kind of just there, you know? Same with, like, Assassin's Creed, it's just there. So it's kind of... I, I just don't know whether this is the kind of uh, situation Players where, like, you can really encourage it. don't really get anything out of it. Yeah. Like, basically, with Overwatch, players kind of get something out of those uh, loot boxes they being get in there because they subsidize. <laughs> yeah, yeah they and they kind of, of subsidize the rest of the free content. With a single player game like Shadow of War, what do players get from having those loot boxes in the game? Nothing, because there's still a season pass. You're still going to have to pay for DLC. That's why I say it's disingenuous. I don't think it's really fair to defend it by saying, oh, it makes it easier for other players when there's better examples out there like Overwatch. It's it's still the case, though, though. It's their money. And so if they decide to spend it to make their life easier, people can people that can afford it, that's fine. From their standpoint, from the developer and the publisher standpoint, no, there's not a lot to defend in regards to that. Even if game development's more expensive, it's like this is Warner Brothers. They're working with the Lord of the Rings, uh, Lord of the Rings license. It's a sequel to a game, and so uh, that didn't have it before. And so... Th- yeah, it's hard to have a lot of sympathy for that when you look at other examples of people doing it the right way. So I get what yeah, you're saying. But, but yeah, but it's like a lot of this stuff is very much we're in a transition phase in the game industry. Yeah. Of like, you'll see more of these kinds of systems in it. So it's all about being on top of. It's hard to it's hard to say voting with your wallet because these things will still sell a lot. You know, and, and they're and they're only going to make more as more people who buy it will uh, purchase more currency into whatever loot box things they are because, it, like, and I think that's the, why vote, people vote, are saying they your wallet, want, Yes, I uh, think but, that's why people are saying they want regulation because they know that, in the grand scheme of things, the people that don't want those loot boxes, there's not much you can really do. Like, decide not to buy them. Well, people that do buy them, as long as a few of them become whales developers are still going to put loot boxes in games. I, I guess you can say it's it's also them trying to still fight against the pre-owned market because, uh, you know, they used to have those online passes that you had to oh, buy yeah. an extra mm-hmm. amount on right. top to, to use that. Uh, this is so that they can get their money's worth that they lose from people who resell their games because it's still there. You know, mm-hmm. that's still... Yeah, right. that's a good point. I guess that is a good point, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, I, I'm just saying that, like, regulations in itself won't change the landscape all that much no because uh, side games still making money <laughs> yeah right yeah people like you know it's it's more about how who will who will do it responsibly and who will not and yeah. if you start seeing a trend i i highly urge people you know to start start thinking about like where you want games to go and it, obviously if you if you want to support a product it's your money it's fine you know i i don't hold it against people for that but do i want do I not want this? I I would like to see it severely reduced to like games like like Overwatch who do it for cosmetics only. But you start seeing you know the the very dangerous side of it of like in Star Wars Battlefront two where the loot boxes there are things that affect the competitive nature of it. You will have like legendary like you know perks or guns or whatever that uh, will give you a competitive edge over uh, other people uh, on it. Sure, can you earn them? Yes, but for people who like who decide to do twenty dollars worth of like loot boxes in it. They'll have a inherently uh, a better amount of uh, equipment from the get go, which will you know obviously feed into uh, a more competitive advantage advantage at the early days of it, and so forth. So I, I think uh, it starts really breaching a very murky territory when you have your loot boxes inherently deciding the balance of the game mm-hmm. uh, in it, and that 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 is off as well. So. It's a. I just want. I just wanted to like you know, have a conversation with you guys about you know the kind of the nature of loot boxes because this 
a thing that we'll see again and again. Love to repeat it. It's a major part yeah. of the gaming landscape nowadays. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't want to da- uh, downplay it because you no, know, everyone has the different perspectives on it. The, if you, if it doesn't like affect you, uh, like you know how Alex in the Shadow of War review, he doesn't like really see the nature of it. That that's fine, but there's a very more meaningful conversation to be had, and it'll be an ongoing conversation. Uh, as more of these uh, systems start to make their way into the common gaming landscape. And I think it's important to point, just to kind of put a button on this issue, it's that, you know, it's also that publishers have to be responsible as well because there's mm-hmm. a ton of exploitation yeah. out there. Yeah. Like I was talking about the Chinese bot players or any other bots really that are just standing around waiting for the match to end so they can earn loot uh, and to sell it on Steam Marketplace and make a ton of money. You can t- you can point at that and say that's why one of the big reasons why PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds is so damn popular. Aside from the fact it's a well-made game, kind of, uh, without the the <laughs> jank. Early uh, access. Early access. <laughs> well-made early access game yeah. that is full of jank. Uh, it's because, yeah, there's a ton of exploitation going on. And so once the regulators come knocking and that's like the big problem that they have to face, they have to look for other avenues. But as you said, they don't really have a lot of options there. They're looking for that as their big thing because it's gambling. You know, that's yeah, the, I, I, I really hope that, you know, that game developers don't start, you know, kind of twisting the nature of like their games to suit it. Like I made a, a obviously a, a very... Com- it, it it was in jest, but you can you can feel kind of like the trajectory of it of like say the Final Fantasy 16, 16, will that have loot boxes? Will you have to like roll for like your armor or weapons or characters or whatever in it? And it's and it's one of those things like haha, it's a, we can uh, point and laugh at that now, but then you think about how much Square Enix has really kind of used Final Fantasy fifteen as like you know as a uh, much of Final Fantasy XV's like kind of systems in it are very much following the trends of games like the season pass and kind of like using this online multiplayer DLC games and whatnot. As a service. Yes, uh, it's just it's like you, you can see the possibility in there, and it it scares people because they don't want to see you know their favorite RPG series and what our single player games kind of fall prey into that trap. But you know, hopefully it shakes out. Hopefully hopefully we won't have like such a another like compact season of like hey the, this, the, the sequel to this next big game is coming out guess what it'll have loot box it's like oh great you yeah know? I, I bet yeah. that that's going to be a lot of games I hope that because it's Warner Brothers and all that like it doesn't mean they're looking for other uh titles in the catalog to have that type of feature as well but you know that's, yeah, yeah. as you said Don't that's worry, kind of the thing will. yeah that's Don't the thing worry, right they will. Uh, i can't wait for the next well batman or superman game or whatever coming from them to have boxes. oh my gosh what a <laughs> so let's let's move on though because we spend mm-hmm. enough time talking about yeah. that um lastly you've also been playing some cooks or delicious too i've seen some footage of that uh, oh man it's it's so I, okay so i yeah. love the first cooks or delicious it is one of my favorite indie games ever. It's uh, obviously the setup is speaks for itself. You're a chef, you kind of uh, manage a restaurant, uh, craft this menu and whatnot. That was much in the Cook Serve Delicious one. In Cook Serve Delicious two, you're kind of a chef for hire, so you're going to all these different kinds of themed restaurants, like say one that uh, specializes in hot dogs, or one that does Chinese food, or one that does hamburgers and whatnot. So you're kind of going to these different restaurants and ha- all have their own different menus. And, uh, you know, much like the cook, first cook served delicious, you're preparing meals for customers coming in and you have to, it's a lot of management. Yeah. So I play the whole game only on keyboard. I never touch my mouse once. 
Uh, a lot of it is muscle memory for me because every uh, aspect of the dish that you're making has uh, obviously a hot key to it. And it's a lot of uh, time and crisis management mm -hmm. because you, uh, on top of like uh, all the orders that you're getting in, you have to like maintain the restaurant, whether it's like the toilet or washing dishes and whatnot. And now new cooks serve delicious too. You have these holding stations uh, that add on more to the chaos that uh, have uh, several different reasons. One uh, is like to, to prep like meat patties for hamburgers. So you don't have to like uh, go through the process of that for each and every single individual order. You can start prepping the burger off the get go if they're at a holding station with uh, several patties already. Or like there'll be uh, ones that uh, are mandatory to make uh, at a holding station first, like maybe corn dogs, for example. Mm -hmm. So all you have to do is like kind of dress it with a ketchup and mustard. And other uh, and another aspect of the holding station is like uh, side dishes, uh, like tater tots uh, and French fries to to keep customers uh, at the counter longer before their uh, order starts ticking down. So instead of having uh, the order take down at like 20 seconds. If you uh, make some side dishes, you can uh, probably extend that by like an additional 30 seconds so you can like get to other stuff first before you tend to them. And it's a lot of, it, it's a lot of, you know, kind of, you're taking like seven simultaneous orders at once. Uh, you have to kind of characterize them or categorize them by like, okay, it, do I have to like prep this first? Okay, so I'll get those out of these first. As they're prepping uh, via a timer, I'll get to other orders in the in the thing so definitely if you're looking for uh, a very challenging game but yet something that uh is very delicious and at the same time you feel very rewarded re rewarding uh for just doing like a perfect combo in a day like not getting any uh bad or average orders definitely uh give this game a look i was i was uh, like kind of bogged down by things uh, at its uh release but i'm glad that i was able to like you know finally get around to it and it's it's a lot it, there, there's a lot of uh like content of the game now because uh, there's like at least 25 to 30 like different themed restaurants all with their like uh own menu so there's like a shitload of like uh different like food items to like actually memorize and uh get the feel for because uh, they all have different uh difficulty levels uh the more you uh the more time or the more stages you complete in them yeah. so it's only it's only going to get more difficult and you have to be really on your uh, on your game when it comes to memorizing what kinds of dishes they want uh, from it. It's uh, it's a fantastic game. I'm really liking it a lot, but man, it is tough as hell. Have you uh, played the multiplayer version of it yet? No, I haven't played the co-op version of That's, it yet. It's kind of tough because you have to coordinate amongst all your friends and who's going to do what uh, of the of the different orders that are coming up. So especially during rush hour, that seems like it. Really oh yeah. The, the, so yeah, the, the the whole game is like it's actually like a breeze. Like uh, when uh, you're just doing stuff normally, but when it comes to rush hour, like during lunch and dinner time, that's what will fucking kick your ass. Oh, you're just like, oh no! You gotta like get the trash out, then wash the the toilet, and then also deal with the rats, and then cook up the orders at the same time. So yeah, it's a uh, it's it, it'll test your multitasking and uh, uh, keyboard skill. Or like you can you can play with quick controller as well, but I'm not too sure of how you play with a controller on that. But uh, it's all math, it's, actually, and it's like yeah. it's like a, it's actually like a combination. Like you hold a button and then you press another button on top. It's it's a little more complicated for sure. Yeah, uh, keyboard. Uh, the only way I can like function in that game is keyboard. <laughs> do it, do you, man? That's that seems yeah. like that's the easiest, the smoothest it's, process. Uh, it's awesome. I'm, I'm so those those have been the, like the two games I've been kind of uh, been playing. Uh, other than that, I've been kind of just 
preparing for the Fate Grand Order Halloween event uh, next week. Uh, sp- well, speaking of mobile games, that's kind of just mm-hmm. been me mostly. Uh, it's been a lot of mobile games. So uh, I wrapped up the Neo DLC from last week that I was talking about that I started is, that day. Is that the Bloodshed's End? Or... Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, they clearly put more work into this because uh, there were three uh, camp. Uh, there were three story missions. The- that was the same as the first one, but I mentioned before how the third one was only a boss fight, and that was it, which was mm-hmm. a kind of a letdown. And the character's name is Maria. It was kind of like a Spaniard, and she's awesome. Uh, it's kind of weird though because so this the third mission in this was pr- was bigger, uh, though they're not they weren't that long. The missions themselves, some of the side missions actually were longer than the story missions, if it like, uh, but. When I got that all taken care of, it made me realize that Maria, she's apparently going to play a part in the second game uh, as oh, it comes out. So, the so story actually... DLC, yeah, story DLC is leading into the sequel, uh, which I shouldn't be too surprised because it's post game stuff. But you know, yeah. you would not know uh, her if you had not played the DLC. Uh, so oh, I that's hope, crazy! Yeah, I hope people actually figure that out. Um, I would say it's totally worth it though because there's actually a mode that's kind of like um, it's like a challenge mode in that you go from like. You start at the beginning and you go all the way to like 750 floors or above. It's like floor by floor, you're facing like different enemies, and every so every so many levels, you unlock like a room that you can go to that might have either more enemies or some items or like restoration or a shrine or even like a room full of chests, which I got once, which was awesome because mm. it's got a bunch of like gear that fits your level as opposed to you know just random crap you typically. Oh, that's find. cool. Yeah. And, you know, every time there's a new difficulty level, there's a new colored type of loot. And so, like, there's people that have been following, uh, playing this game since the beginning, of course, uh, that have some insane builds that are dealing, like, I saw someone deal 800,000 damage. And that blew my freaking mind. Because there's no enemy or boss in the entire game that has anywhere near that much health. Uh, So, I was shocked beyond words. Well, what's Uh, the the color now? Let's see the latest color. It's like teal? I think it's it's like it's like a very maybe not even like teal. It's more like a aquamarine or something like that. It's it's like okay. a it's like that kind of like darkish blue. Not, so so how many color tiers does this game now have? Well, so it had you know of course those white, then yellow, then uh, is it green blue, and yellow? Or is it... Yeah, it's it's white, yellow, blue, purple, uh, green. Okay. And then uh, they introduced red, and then this aquamarine color. Okay. So they're called. Uh, uh, I'm I'm blanking on it. It's uh, ethereal, I think, or something, or divine. Super mega ultra rare. Yeah, it's, I forget. I forget what I'm, I'm blanking on. What the word is? It starts with an E. Anyway, uh, they're hard to find, and so uh, this challenge mission, I think, kind of makes uh, this challenge mode makes the DLC and the season pass worth it because it's just wow. fun to be able to climb those levels, and there's some bo- fun boss fights in this third DLC to begin with. Um, but you are they know, like completely new boss fights, or just like modifiers of like existing bosses? That's the side missions. Uh, these are new. These are new bosses all okay. across, uh, and they're kind of fun. Like I said, uh, the side missions are f- still like you want to face face the first boss from the game again. Uh, just a little bit. <laughs> you, you wanna, yeah, you want to face like thirty of the it. first boss. <laughs> I've done. Yeah, no, that's literally like most of the missions in the DLC. A lot of the side missions in the DLC. It's like face him again. Uh, it's like God damn it, I'm tired of this guy. He's Anyone who has played the original, uh, who maybe played the beta of Funio or, you know, the game itself, of course. He's the first guy that's got the two giant chain balls that he throws around and tries to beat you up. Uh, he is makes so many returns <laughs> in the wow. later DLC. Um, and even like even in the even in the story missions, it's like, face this other boss from the game. I will say the coolest part about Bloodshed's End, um, not to speak too much about it, because uh, we got to move on. Um, 
the coolest thing about it is that they give you opportunities where you fight alongside the characters that were from the DLC. And so you fight alongside um, Masamune Date, which is amazing. Like, if he's, he's like running around with you. So not oh, I only... didn't know. I, did. I, thought you, I thought you were able to do that like, at, their, at their own DLC. Guess not. Uh, no. I mean, they okay. join you, but they don't like they don't like fight, fight alongside, alongside you because okay. the thing is that they cycle through the different ones so like every mission it was like now they're joining you now they're joining you it's it's that it's it's it was pretty fun because not only is are they the, a big help but you can also fight revenants with them and so like i just was yep. popping up uh dead characters because the people who don't know when you kill revenant you get uh glory and you use that glory to trade in at the hidden uh t hidden t shop I feel, yeah i, I think, I think it's, so uh that checks out. yeah or t-shrine uh where you can basically spend that money to unlock new skins for your character uh which i think if you beat the game you get maria uh, as your uh new skin but you have to like get enough revenant uh gl- glory to uh which is another currency to unlock her and it's seventy thousand. and Jeez. i beat the game and i beat the new game plus and i only had about thirty thousand. so uh, i um and that was me just going so a lot of the time going out of my way to fight it so you have to really like grind or or maybe if it had a loot box no, system it's, thank god it doesn't and i hope to god <laughs> neo 2 doesn't either because yeah. honestly is there uh, are there like uh, really interesting story hooks at the very end of that uh, into the sequel like are yeah. you very are you are you excited for that sequel then there's some sad moments in the dlc i will say like there's some really uh heart-wrenching moments that that mm-hmm. occur later on especially like with the way the characters i uh, the only fortunate thing is that they don't spend too much time on some of the antagonists in the game and so you don't really get the full breadth of their story it's like you have to kind of pick it up from the cutscenes because these are like the the season pass if i i think it's like 25 bucks in this three missions uh th- excuse me three uh packs and so uh you only get a lot of the stories begin and end in that dlc and so you don't really get a lot of it but you get the like it gets the heart of the matter pretty quickly which is nice it doesn't waste time like finding meaningless ways to develop the character they just get straight to like this is their motivations this is what's going to happen to them (laughs) and that's and a lot of time it's they die so uh the way that they treat that it's it's kind of crazy uh but I will say, though, it's going to be interesting because you've got Maria, but the way that they're talking about Team Ninja and Koei Tecmo, there's going to be a new protagonist in Neo 2. So William's not going to be there, uh, but maybe the other characters will be. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I mean uh, the other, like, friendlies. Because, <laughs> yeah, Maria, because she just leaves. Uh, I mean, that's a spoiler, but she just straight up, she straight up leaves. And so you don't know, uh, like, you're going to see her again, clearly. You just don't know what what time okay because they could play around with the the setting as well it, it might not just be what what was it the edo period maybe i think that's when it was set at the edo uh it might be a totally different period in time so we could get to the point where it'll be like you know way of the samurai it'll have like the introduction of guns and stuff like that like that'll be kind of crazy to see it'll be uh steampunk era futuristic with cyborg maria i would be totally into that i mean to be fair like neo's got guns so i don't know what i'm talking about it's got cannons and <laughs> rifles but uh i would say that yeah if they did like cyberpunk neo that'd be kind of <laughs> i'd be totally down to that because you got laser swords it'd be yeah, yeah, Sarah line uh from mm. team ninja because i've never has team ninja ever done a cyberpunk game i don't think so uh, They've done, no i mean <laughs> no. dead or alive has got some elements but that's not i don't think i can't it's like you know what was that game that was on playstation 2 adam might know what i'm talking about it's like crimson skies i think it was i forget i forget what the game was uh, not crimson, crimson skies seas? it was crimson seas yeah it was like yeah. that weird like 
there was also that stupid like seven samurai knockoff that was like seven samurai 20 xx or whatever i don't know oh yeah that's right <laughs> remember uh, that that was yeah, like straight yeah, up yeah, action RB- oh my god that game was you're, so bad uh or that was a samurai musashi legend oh <laughs> uh, yeah bunch of garbage <laughs> I, I i will just say i wish i wish there were more mashup games like that because atlas did like uh, a game called samurai western and that was like yeah. it's bad but it was really good at the same time well, that kind of like it got like a little bit of um grindhouse feel i don't maybe i'm misremembering but i do know that there was like some really stupid moments in that game uh oh, yeah. it was a very stupid game it was great it never it didn't take its it, it, it like took itself seriously like main plot wise but the, uh it's like the antics that the people would do like the motions they would do are completely stupid and you, you can go you can deck out your character like devil and angel wings in it like cosmetic yeah wise. it was like, like god was hand ridiculous. but like a western it was bizarre, yeah man wasn't that like a way of the samurai spinoff or am i miss is that something i don't know if it was a, i don't think it was a way of the samurai spinoff, but it's like it was kind of the same vein because i, yeah, I yeah. think you can like fuck around with the cutscenes if i'm remembering I, yeah because you can do that in way of the samurai like you can yeah. just sort of kill the enemy by the time to talk to you like oh there goes the the blacksmith and he can't help you the rest of the game so. yeah or like or like a, during the cutscene like you decide to unsheath your sword at any time they'll just yeah. freak the like what the fuck are you doing that was the fuck? Uh, that was so good uh ah. but yeah that's i mean neo's i will say even with the Neo dlc even if it was kind of a letdown and the weird balance changes and all that stuff i would say you know it was still a great time you know and i i wouldn't have spent as much time as i did which i think my total game time is probably in a few hundred hours at this point because i've been just spending so much time with it it's been a blast and i look forward to what they can do next because now that they have a foundation to build on it's going to be exciting um and i totally recommend people picking it up uh it doesn't seem to go on sale that much which is a shame but uh it's definitely a fun action rpg especially for people who need something more accessible than the soul series you know a little easier to get into and not as yeah, hard you have the PC edition bitch. coming to pc as well so if yeah. you only have a pc you have the full experience soon yep and uh, i would say though at least the late game side missions are pains in the asses and really hard because it's like boss rush and that's that was shit uh other than that, just a lot of Terra Battle 2 and Eglia, uh, which are two okay. mobile games. Terra Battle 2 is basically Terra Battle with an open aspect where you can move around a map with your characters, uh, but it's hard to control your team when you're trying to tap down and move it around. It's more story-heavy, which is kind of fun. Uh, Liz, Does that have an interesting story? I might, I might give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 way better than the first one, I'd say. And I don't remember the... I, I wasn't like you, the, the first yeah. one, like, non-existent story. For good reason, because all it was was like a bunch of flashing like text on the screen. But I would say at least this one, it's a lot better. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's still some... like There's some actually pretty intense... Uh, I guess it kind of depends on who you are, but that the does there's like already some intense moments right off the bat in the first chapter. Um, the weird thing I will say at least is that they're doing this thing where um, they're releasing a new story chapter every week, every Friday I think it is. And so the problem with that though is that you sometimes can forget what happened the previous one, oh, and yeah. so you can go back and play the old mission again, I guess. But like, you know, it's that disconnect where, as opposed to your typical RPG where you're playing it like every day maybe or every other day if you just don't have a lot of time you have to wait a whole week until you get the next piece and so it's kind of you know it's a good uh experiment in theory but at the same time you're having kind of trouble it's kind of weird like also like i would think they would at least give you like a very like brief preview paragraph recap of what happened in the previous one just for like ongoing players as well they do this thing where it's kind of like an episodic deal where it's like last time and then next time you know uh, before and after the chapter begins uh, but at the same time, you probably would be better off just replaying the old mission. I will say the good news is it doesn't use stamina when you play the story stuff, and so you can oh, just, okay. yeah, you can just get right through that. Uh, it's only used up when you want to do the um, the special events. So and they get, they're pretty. Uh, 
uh, generous with the stamina, and so yeah. and you uh, use uh, one stamina to like oh it's gonna be one energy point to like revive your whole party party, and since it's still early in, they're giving a lot of that stuff away. So you know, uh, and I've got some pretty high level characters, and I'm pretty having I'm, I'm a lot of fun with it. I like the first terror battle, and this one's way better in all respects. Uh, and also been playing Eglia, which I think Adam might like because um, it's from the people that made Legend of Mana, <laughs> or at least the uh, a lot of the same people uh, that made it because it's, it's brownies. So you've got Shinichi Kamioka, who was the character designer and producer for Legend of Mana, and it's got a lot of the same hooks, believe it or not. Hmm. You straight up get eggs that are artifacts that you put on a big map and place them <laughs> on the okay. right place, opens up new maps, and so it's straight up Legend of Mana. And it's also got a soundtrack by Yoko Shimomura, so yes. it's really good. It's really good. Uh, I will say the bizarre thing about this, and this is what I mentioned in my review. So the game is ten bucks. Uh, I, I know it's on Android. I, I think it's also on iOS by now. Um, it's got to be where it's got weird like free to play hooks, which is weird because it's got like cooldown timers and and like and things like that. And you build wait wait town. So, so there you you pay money for it, but there are still cooldown uh, cool timers in game. Yeah, huh? but you don't. There's nowhere where you spend real money, so like you don't spend money to like speed it up or anything like that. It's okay. not like you know your stupid you know shadow war mm-hmm. stuff but it's it's like it's got the same thing where it's like daily bonuses for logging in and like and and special like currencies and and, and quests and things like that and like you build up your town like i said um but because it's a premium map it does at least mean that they're more generous and they're and the, you, the, the odds are better more in your favor for like getting uh better spirits which are just the mana spirits you know that you can take with you and um better harvests from harvesting jewels and food that you put to your spirits to level them up so it's better about that stuff uh so it's not egregious you know in any way it's just weird to have cooldown timers we have to wait 10 or 25 real-time minutes before you can do anything uh, or at least not not so much that but more like uh to to harvest that stuff uh but that's that's been kind of my experience with that and i think that egly is a pretty fine game i had a lot hmm. of fun with it and i look forward to see what they what they do with that because how much is it it's, like i said it's 10 bucks okay and the story's fun like the characters all have their own unique personalities that really shine through the localization i think the script is pretty good uh and the and, and the character dialogue is funny like there's some funny moments in that game and uh for a mobile experience it's 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 great i will say at least that it's got that same issue that it's it's kind of hard to get around the fact that this is a mobile game and you know trying to really dive deep into an experience when you would rather have it like on a screen on a big screen it's uh, i do get the uh argument people have about not being too thrilled about mobile games the more i play these the more i kind of get realize that <laughs> you know it's mm. you're not really it's, taking it like, all. Like, how, like how's like the is there like a battle system in it yeah or? there's okay. there's so i uh, and I, I should say there's no voice acting that's probably part of the reason but oh, okay. um the battle system is weird it's like a board game and so what happens is that there's a grid kind of like a hexagonal grid that you uh traverse across and at the start of your turn you roll a die and then you have to like move spot to spot to get to from the beginning to the end or the clear uh uh, cell on the other side wherever that happens to be along the way you'll be like chopping down trees to get uh wood to use on your town and getting treasure chests to unlock items and then killing enemies along the way and depending on the the number on your die that determines how much damage you're going to do so it's it's like that it's pretty cool it's got a good art style to it and so i am like i said uh, i think it's worth playing 
people who are cool. interested in that. And the fact that, you know, it's the pedigree is what it is and that Yokoshimimaru mm-hmm. soundtrack is brilliant. I love it. I just have it playing sometimes when I just want to listen to some good music. Uh, it's pretty nice. So enough of that. That was a lot of discussion about that other stuff. But let's get into the news here. And so, I don't know. Adam, are you still there? I'm here. Okay, cool. Uh, so, you were just super <laughs> silent. I, I was mentioning you. I didn't know if you wanted to say anything. But uh, let's get into news. So, the first bit we've got is that Square Enix, out of nowhere, announced 4K Star Ocean, the last Your couple. favorite game from Square Enix. With the 90-minute uh, final boss fight, from what I remember. <laughs> What's wh- Tell me about what this, this, Adam. What is this? Uh, so, so, okay. Square Enix announced... Kind of, they had they they do like these kind of live streams for their mobile game every once in a while, um, and they announced during one of them that they are releasing a remaster for Star Ocean Four, which is Star Ocean: The Last Hope, um, for PlayStation Four, but also for PC. So that's that's interesting because this it's the, the first, first time yeah. Star Ocean has been on PC, and. So there's a couple of interesting... Well, and it comes out at the end of November. So what pretty, is the full name of this? Uh, okay, Star Adam? Ocean: The Last Hope International 4K and, and Star Ocean: The Last Hope International 4K and Full HD Remaster. Uh, that's it. And I don't, I don't know why they call it 4K and Full HD because Full <laughs> oh, HD back in the day I was 1080p. Title. It's so bad. <laughs> so. So okay. the so obviously PC it, this has not been officially revealed for the West, but the fact that it's got a PC release heavily hints at that. Yeah. Um, this is out now. Like Star Ocean like Three got a remaster, just kind of, really just kind of an upscale and trophies and whatnot. Yeah. Um, for PlayStation Four, kind of the uh, the PS2 on PS4 thing. Only it's not through Sony; it's just a Square Enix thing. Um, Star Ocean 2 got, got the same treatment in Japan on PlayStation 4, but it was not released in the West, for, which is still kind of a baffling thing, like why it never did, especially considering it's like easily considered the best one and it's probably the most well-received. Yes. Um, so it's kind of weird that, that, that that's still, we haven't heard anything on that. Um, now, Star Ocean 4 like, is kind of infamous for its really awful... Basically, anything to do with its story stuff. The story, the characters, the English voice acting is all, like, like literally bottom of the barrel. Like, it really does not get much worse than this. Um, I, I actually think, like, the game itself is actually decent. Like, the combat system, the dungeons, and the progression and things like that. But everything, the stuff you have to go through in that game, like, it is... God awful. So, okay. <laughs> Would it be like the Star I, I, Ocean Five effect well, kind of thing? Well, like I have not played Star Ocean Five yet. Oh, I, okay. I understand that Star Ocean Five is like not a great game, but it's not as like it's not. It's uh, from what I understand, it's the story stuff is more just kind of bland rather than being like downright terrible. Um, <laughs> so I've I've never played Star Ocean Four. Is this is this the time if it gets an English release? Is this the time to get into it? I, I will recommend one thing. Okay. If you play it, I don't care what your tolerance level is. Skip every single cutscene. <laughs> I, I, I want to see. The, I want to see the 4K and full HD remaster of it. So one cool thing about Star Ocean 4 that I wish more games did: when you skip a cutscene, it actually like will pop up a screen that basically summarizes it. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. so you basically have like you you still kind of know. Oh, okay. I know I need to go over to this place, you know, because that's the story premise. And you don't have to watch 
the the character models are terrible. Everyone looks like a doll. Um, voice acting in English is bad. Uh, the international version did have dual audio, but I don't know how much that really helps. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I mean, okay. So, yeah. so since this is the Last Hope International, uh, so the international like, version came out on PS3 after the Xbox 360 release. It was kind of one of those things where. When the Xbox 360 kind of first, you know, released, it got kind of a good handful of Japanese RPGs, um, and a number of those eventually made their way over to PS3. Like Eternal Sonata was one, Tales of Asphyria. Um, they were like Bi- Xbox 360 well, Bioshock- were like they were like beta testers. That was what it, that was the joke going around. The Xbox 360 owners were beta testers for the PS3 now, owners. That like the Master. Version, yeah. Like, first of all, the the, the the Xbox 360 version of Star Ocean 4, it had um, like the CG models of the characters in the uh, in the uh, um, battle portraits menus, yeah. yeah, and the battle portraits and everything, and like it that wouldn't be terrible if the models weren't like awful. <laughs> yeah, but, they were. First time you saw, and, you're like, ugh. ugh. And so it just kind of like an eyesore, and then the international version changed them to like the anime style, which you know just for, in this case is better. Um, but also the international version added dual audio. It um changed a few things actually like mechanically too in fact i know some of the crafting stuff some people think it made it worse because it made it uh less simple or it made it more difficult to like create super weapons and like ridiculous weapons that like gain you like 500 percent exp or whatever it was oh uh, that sounds dangerous i i remember I, I it's been a while but i remember like creating like weapons that get like for, I don't know why this was tied to your weapon, but you, you, it would make it so you get like a ton of money and a ton of EXP. <laughs> that's um, terrible. That's, you could, like, that's break awesome. The game. That, wow. That's the one thing I like about Star Ocean games. Like, I'm not really a big Star Ocean fan, but some of the mechanics in these in the games are like are Crafty. really like strange, <laughs> and you can like break it in weird ways. It kind of reminds me of like Final Fantasy VIII, and just um, not like tied to a card game or anything, but does how like weird ways, and you can kind of like junction system. Yeah, like uh, does does it do the same thing where like the crafting system can completely break it as well? Yes. Oh, okay, yes. that's that's the big thing about. Star and they they changed that in the international version. I don't know the oh. details exactly, but I know they tweaked it a bit, so it's not so easily broken. I guess. Um, I think they so, did yeah, that with Eternal Sonata too. By the way, sorry. Go ahead. So, I think so yeah, they added. They're they're releasing this on PS4 and PC in Japan. It hasn't gotten an English announcement yet. And the the thing I'm interested in is really like I haven't played Starship Five yet. I, I want to. I just haven't had time. And now it's like, well, now I guess I'll just wonder. I'll wait and see if there's interest in releasing a PC version for that. Now that this franchise is on PC, yeah, it's like weird. It's like twelve bucks now. So maybe you know, it's it's the consider is a big failure. Star Ocean 4, I think, did a lot better. In terms I think of Star Ocean 3, in terms of, like, sales, was the most... Like, Star Ocean 2, people like the most. But I think Star Ocean 3 was actually, like, the best seller. I might be wrong on that. It, no, but... it, had a, it had a great assist label, so it had to be, right? It's... Yeah, and then it kind of has been going down from there. Like, Star yeah. Ocean 4 did okay, you know, I guess, for its audience. And it was on Xbox and whatever. And then, like, apparently Star Ocean 5 was kind of a bomb so Where, where's that mobile game at uh, i'm thinking okay so this is coming out like november 28 in japan but it has like yeah. the international label and doesn't the international version have dual audio and yeah. like that's, yeah that's, that was menus? one thing they added to the yeah, PS yeah. version so, so, so will this have will this have english menus too or i don't know the original? Oh, you're wondering if the japanese release will have the like, english yeah like like I'm, near or like, scare one yeah. square Enix has been doing that more recently like final fantasy 15 near automata Final Fantasy 12 remaster, like 
it's it's almost like the Japanese version and the English version are identical because both versions have. It's not just where Nexus has been doing that recently, too. I mean, a Sorry? lot of companies, because of uh, Southeast Asian games, having to have, or, well, not really having to have, but generally being receptive to having English text in the game, for a lot of those games where they're b- being released in Southeast Asia and Japan yeah. at the same time, yeah. they're going to have the English text on the, on the Japanese disc. I don't remember if... Final Fantasy Twelve had Japanese text, but it had the dual audio in the Japanese version. Um, but anyway, yeah, sorry, it's it's, it's, so it's anyways. Yeah. Square Enix is becoming a little bit more global with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so who knows? Um, but yeah, I sometimes do like to revisit remasters. You know, to, you know, it's been a while since I played it, and I want to play it again. Like Final Fantasy Twelve, like sure, I'll play it again. Uh, look, I want to know who but, Edge like, Maverick this is. This one is like uh, <laughs> Edge Maverick. Oh my god, that t- that name. Uh, everyone keeps saying his name and I'm like who is this guy I feel like I need to go play his game his name is more popular than his body I I, I will (laughs) say it would have been nice um, if they did the Final Fantasy IX thing where they announced the localization at the same time Now that's weird that we're only getting the Japanese announcement but it's just like what happened to Star Ocean 3, so I shouldn't be too surprised, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I imagine it'll come over yeah. sooner than later. Yeah, the, the PC, if, if it was just PS4, I think it would be a little bit more questionable because it's like, well, we got Star Ocean 3, but we didn't get 2, and it's like, who knows what Square Enix is going to do. But the fact that it is on PC, it's like, it's, it'd be really strange if they decided not to local, you know. I wonder, <laughs> I really wonder if people still want a new Star Ocean. <laughs> The, the like I'm, I was thinking like you know I wonder if it's the fact that Star Ocean Three is not going to be on PC if it's like Star Ocean Four it's tied to the engine and does that mean eventually we're going to get Infinite and Discovery on PC as well without yes. the same oh, engine? Oh man, don't play with my heart again. <laughs> don't tell Alex or Adam. <laughs> oh oh my gosh, yeah, the other Adam, he's he's not a fan of that at all. And like I'm sure you would like to see like a 4K remastered version of the Last Remnant, Adam. I'm sure that the Last Remnant is amazing. <laughs> Only that's not that's not Triace though. It isn't. I forgot. But it, it's it, very it, it, even though the Last Remnant, PC, so we could probably all ready run in for yeah and okay. the last, the last oh, remnant, i don't think you can, you can kind of run you, you can run the last remnant on like in at least 1080p on pretty, pretty older pc system. hardware it doesn't yeah. look good <laughs> look, okay well, wake me up when we get residents of fate on pc and the big change with it is whatever modifications you do to your guns in that game is reflected <laughs> in game i mean we got to talk to sega because man those they, they seem like they're going to be pushing yeah. more for the pc releases and you've got that it's, they, I think moves, I think so, yeah. Sega has been going a little bit slower than people yeah. have wanted. Like oh, Final Fantasy Chronicles was a couple years ago now. Yeah, and they, 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 yeah. they had they had the Bayonetta Platinum like double uh, Bayonetta and Vanquish like yeah. double punch, and that then was this like, year. Okay. Yeah, that was this year. Yeah. That's actually you know yeah. uh, give them credit for that. But like the yeah. gap between that and then like I'm sure like like I said they're getting like a ton of uh, <laughs> look. Requests. We were all hoping for a teaser. Like they, they had a teaser of Vanquish and Bayonetta, and then there's like no teaser in Vanquish. So it's like who knows now. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, wasn't there like a like an outline or something like that for Vanquish or like the flag or something? The, the, no, a, in the a... in the files for Bayonetta. Yeah. Like there was actually just like, it was just like a random image in a folder. It's like what is this image? And it was like the, it was like a teaser image, like the Vanquish logo. Because they know they were gonna dig into that. They were gonna farm out that stuff. So yeah. that makes sense. But so yeah. like it wasn't in it wasn't like in the, like the game itself, but it was just in the files like. 
for no reason just just because it was a teaser so. yeah and, and I'm, I'm totally with you it's that you know uh, i think the stigma around the remasters kind of went away after a while and people were kind of you know now they they've got games they really want to play again that they couldn't before starvation 4 is a really odd choice though <laughs> like, yeah like what yeah. starvation 3 makes sense because that was a playstation 2 game and some people were still pretty fond of that starvation 4 seemed like that was mostly panned uh, uh i mean there was still like as you said there were like people who found spots to be good about it it's like Final Fantasy X-2 of the series. That's what I feel like Starship 4 is. It's like, well, it's got some cool gameplay, but the story was trash. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what that really means for that series, because you've also got, like I said, that Star Ocean mobile game that's kind of just sitting there. And I'm surprised that hasn't been shut down by now. Was it Anemnesis or something like that? Is yeah, Anemnesis, whatever. Anemone. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that's actually well, still going it? strong, so... Oh, okay. Then that's fine. Yeah. That and like the Valkyrie Atom, Atom, Valkyrie profile game, or whatever it is. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> if they're gonna be remastering <laughs> Triace games for for I, PS4 I know, uh, and if they're gonna remaster Triace games for PS4 and PC, where is Valkyrie Profile Two? Just on PSN. Oh, just one. Why? Not? <laughs> I guess two makes sense because it's PS2. Two. That makes, yeah. Two is a like it's pretty different. Yeah, it is. And the story kind of falls flat at the end, but it's like a really cool game. Well, yeah, really like wasn't the well they they can put the PSP version of Valkyrie Profile One on PS4 and PC on for well, they never even bothered putting the the original Valkyrie Profile in any sort of digital format anywhere, like on uh what, on what, PSN. They need to put the DS version on the Switch. <laughs> was it was it what's Coming into the plume? Coming to the plume. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, it's like a, it was like a, it was a weird but kind of nifty srpg thing so you can say it's bad adam it's okay interesting (laughs) where is triace at this point because they're like they've got bought up by that mobile company in china a long time ago and now we're like now what what are they going to do because they've got that mobile game and starship 5 only came out a year ago it's kind of weird to say that but like yeah it only came out a year ago and yet it's still like there's still their fate is up in the air it's so bizarre and now we're getting star ocean 4 on pc and ps4 <laughs> so, I, 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 I don't know what try is doing man that's uh, they're they're a complete mystery when they're not like on uh, promoting a game well, they like, they, yeah. they contributed to like final fantasy 13 2 and last or uh lightning returns not like, everyone can contribute to the last remnant adam <laughs> they put out that sweet engine tech demo that uh, even that though we'll like there. even though we'll like never get another last remnant game it it, it my I, I feel satisfied that most of that team now works on final fantasy 14 which is also well really well received what if uh if 14 gets a last remnant collaboration after after mm. the after release <laughs> just came out, yeah, why not? Let's do that. I think that'd be fine. I think, but that would that what would that be like? Straight up, just uh, the battles would be Last Remnant, but with Final Fantasy fourteen models instead. <laughs> that'd be kind of oh man, kind of cool. It, yeah, if you start throwing like the Last Remnant mechanics into FF fourteen, and how many people would like leave? Oh, oh they'd be so amazing. They'd be pissed off. You, you can't actually select your actions. You can only select the type Anyways, of action. Uh, uh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Anyways, now we're, yeah, not, Star now Ocean. we're not even really talking about Star Ocean. That's fine. Let's talk about what we want to talk about, James. Don't try to end our conversation. We're having fun over here. <laughs> Last Remnant isn't fun. We're though. all hyped for uh, this semester. So. Yeah, no one likes Last Remnant anyway. All right. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's really hard to want to talk about Star Ocean 4 just because, yeah. Uh, the, the best thing I remember from that is just how aggravating the final boss fight from that game was how I, incredibly I, aggravating it was. i think it speaks volumes that we would rather talk about any other rpg on the planet than star ocean no, it's 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 just like it's it's like i actually enjoyed star ocean 3 and so yeah star ocean 4 was a disappointment 
So let's talk about something that we're actually looking forward to. Toku is going to do AX Plus. Yeah. Who wants to talk about it? James, now that yeah. I told you to shut up, can you talk about something? <laughs> well, um, kind of similar to how um, EZ8's Vita and PS4 versions have different content. The PS4 version has like a bunch of different like scenarios and sections that just weren't in the Vita release. Uh, Tokyo Zenado EX Plus is basically what um, the PS4 version of EZ8 was to the Vita version. It's basically a bunch of extra content in the Vita game that came out earlier this year in the West. Why I needed more time, obviously. Yeah, there's yeah. like there's like more like seasonal events. Like I remember when it was first announced, one of the things they like showed was like this weird like pumpkin like event you know seasonal fall thing and then there's there's another playable character um apparently there's like a like an enhanced post game type thing apparently um, there's i know the local side chapters with for specific characters i know the um the localizer who at access games kind of open and upfront about it is like read the npc dialogue because there's Please. way more of it and i spent a lot of time localizing that yeah yeah <laughs> so, when's, uh, when's this game i know out? some um, it's coming out December 8th on PS4. We do not have a release date for the PC version quite yet. Or the European uh, market. Yeah, that's, that's North game. America. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Axis being, Axis is like tiny and they don't have, they don't have a, you know, an arm in Europe like some of these com- companies do. So like, I know they, they've struggled getting releases out over there sometimes. But it's getting a European release. We just don't know when yet. But, so like... We were talking about it earlier, but much like how you know the Zero Escape series, uh, Axis and Spike Chunsoft are very separate on their versions. Like Spike Chunsoft was responsible for the PC version of the Zero Escape series, and Axis was doing the console. Uh, what's the deal here with Tokyo Zanadu, uh, Zanadu EX Plus? Ah, uh, God, I I knew the name of the company that was doing the PC version. It's it's Ghost it's Ghostlight. Yeah, it's Ghostlight. Yeah, that's right. So Ghostlight is based in the UK. They've done they've done a couple of their own ports. Um, they've done like Way of the Samurai, um, uh, Mugen Soul. That's a lot of yeah. Exceed and like marvelous stuff. Yeah, they, I know funny. they apparently did, some, but like those things I think are like actually published under their name. Like this is a Ghostlight publication uh, or game. Um, but they have also been contracted out for like some Idea Factory games. Um, I think they've done some of the uh, Neptunia titles for Idea Factory. Um, like they've been contracted out, so it's published by Idea Factory, but it's a Ghostlight worked on it. Yeah, I think doing, this, this, it's yeah. it's basically that sort of deal where yeah. where it's Axis is publishing, but Ghostlight is actually doing the port. They haven't really said anything other than they're doing it. Yeah, so. Ghostlight's, Ghostlight's busy these days. Huh? They have Zanadu uh, EX Plus. They have uh, Omega Lost Quintet, Dimension. Lost Dimension. Yeah. They're... Fuck, I, uh, how big is that thing? You guys know? I no very, idea. very small. Cause I'm, I know pretty, the guys, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're tiny. They're, um, like, they're, like a, they're like a team of like not even like maybe half a dozen people. To be fair, Xseed and Idea Factory uh, International, they're made up about a dozen people as well. So they're all pretty yeah. small localizing teams. Um, the the thing I'll say is at least like the marketing guy from that team from Ghostlight actually is is one of his I think his first game was Shadow Hearts three. <laughs> that's what I remember. <laughs> that, that's rad. Okay. That's yeah. Yeah. Cool. If you if you like uh, following localizers and these people who work on it, Ross Ross Brearley is his name. I think he's yeah. a cool guy. Follow him on Twitter. Yeah, I mean he gets retweeted by the Ghostlight Games account all yeah. the time. But yeah, he's a fun guy. So people should follow him if you like. No, you're following the right guy if uh, you see a picture of Estelle as his yeah, He's, he's yep. a big Falcon fan. He is a big Falcon <laughs> fan. Yeah, he talks about it all the time. So so the fact that they're working on a Falcon game is like you know, 
appropriate. It, it, I don't know. I, I would be pretty ecstatic if I could get out of the idea factory rut and work on a Falcon game. That'd be that'd be pretty good. <laughs> Just jump it around. I mean, that's that's the good thing. And he, yeah, yeah, they helped bring. They put like was it way the same way four as you said or three and four. I think three and four. Yeah, <laughs> on on PC. So they've got a quite quite the history with a lot of these uh, Japanese developers. They so. also they also worked on Alman Age Gothic, which yeah. is I'm one of like like. 4,000 people in the world who have played that game. Uh, oh, yeah, total. <laughs> That's the thing. I, I thought you were going to say 4,000 people who like that game. Like, oh, no, no 4,000 okay. people in the world who have, like, actually, like, played it at all. <laughs> you like the Steam numbers, and that's that's, yeah. they, oh, that's that's sad. That game is one of the hardest games I've ever played. Oh, that's a It's the type of game too, you, like, yeah. walk into a dungeon, and then, like, the very first room, very first battle, you get wiped in one hit. And, like, what the <sighs> f- just happened? <laughs> Reminds me of, like, Class of Heroes. That's, that was kind of hard, too, so yeah. I totally get that. So yeah, Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus. Uh, that's that's yeah, just uh, less than two months away, and we'll definitely have coverage on that game. Hopefully, we'll get something taken care of before like end of the game of the year stuff because we kind of ran into that problem before. Where like a week before this is actually uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Two. <laughs> that's that's the beginning of December, and so you've don't, got that. Don't don't, don't release long ass RPG in December. I feel like that's like a rule at this one. Just don't do it. They put Yakuza Five out in December. Yeah, there's just this thing where they put those games out. We have a hard time trying Fuck. to put them in with the game of the year stuff we we do in january so that's that's kind of guys please we need to we need some sleep too before we get our long discussions and about angry with each other so let's move <laughs> into the last topic of the podcast speaking of falcom yeah. it's, yes yeah. Yeah. falcom uh which also is kind of the part of the arguably the biggest story of the week yeah uh, so a, east yeah. eight um, so this me, is the weird thing yeah, yeah so let, okay let's let, let, yeah, let, uh, yeah we'll, break, we'll, we'll break down the this I'll in break uh, you two down. parts. Okay. So f- oh. first is uh, Nisa's president. Uh, this is only distributed like via email. Uh, came out and said, "Hey, we're really sorry uh, about you know the quality of the E8 uh, localization on uh, you know PS4 and Vita, uh, and you know we were aiming to you know rectify this. We're uh, going back and kind of hired on a new translator." Uh, to kind of give on like the the script to reread like the entire thing and like making changes whenever wherever necessary, uh, and also would be willing to redub lines if uh, part of the changes uh, you know call for it. So they they want to do like a, an improved uh, localization job on that. And they and also it, said just just to kind of bounce mm-hmm. off of you. Yeah. They also said they want to like look at things like characterization. Mm-hmm. So not just like not just like accuracy. But actually, like making sure like character personalities like actually come through. Um, you played yeah. the game, so I don't know. Yep. I know yeah, you, I we, we, you actually ta- you actually we actually chatted before you reviewed it because you were curious. I was playing E7 at the time. You were playing E8, yep. kind of comparing like the localizations at the time, and you were saying how a lot of E8 kind of came off pretty kind of dry yeah um kind mm-hmm. of robotic and dry and like yeah, it might have been it, accurate but yeah we definitely saw it when we started comparing east 7 to east 8 uh, tra- localization with, like of how they handled dogi uh yeah. which is obviously you know yeah. both present in both games you know and you definitely saw that there was like a, a bit more flair and charm to him uh with in east 7 uh compared to when nisa you know did him in east 8 so it, it's kind of interesting that you know yeah. definitely definitely went for things to come to this point, serious things behind the scenes had to have happened. And, you know, I think part of the the reason why this uh, apology came out... Which is, uh, this is rare. That, like, yeah, how often yeah, does this yeah, happen? Yeah, this, this is rare. So, yeah, yeah, so this is rare. So I'll, I'll, run, I'll run this down. They had this... Uh, the Falcom fans uh, started banding together uh, doing an email campaign uh, because uh, on Falcom's page, you have like a, like a direct feedback, uh, like contact line uh, for them. Um, yeah, it's so, like... 
just for um, reference, um, this has been something that Falcom's had for a while. And um, people from all over the world can even order stuff from Falcom's um, web um, web store, and there's rudimentary English support for like um, ordering all that stuff, and they will ship internationally. Yeah. So that's why people knew about that line. Yeah. So so apparently, like this uh, word of mouth became so prevalent, and uh, for this email campaign, uh, bringing uh, light to issues of like you know Nisa's Nisa's, uh, Nisa's like kind of poor localization of uh, East Eight. Uh, to the point that uh, bigger Japanese news sites like Automaton, or I, I think that's their name, uh, started picking up uh, wind of it. And, you know, when uh, a, a Japanese publication of that caliber starts, you know, reporting on stuff like that, uh, you know, Falcom investors will start, you know, putting their eyes on it. And, you know, eventually news will hear, uh, uh, you know, this uh, flow of information will start reaching back to Falcom uh, directly. So... Uh, not to say that you know, like I, I, I definitely can't, I can't. say there was there was the cause of it just because of the NIS America's president some words specifically talking about characterization and mm -hmm. because um, one of the main points of that email that they sent was that they um, the fans th thought that the characterization was made too robotic and that a lot of the um, intricacies of uh, characters' personalities were lost in translation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so the there were literally America, some lines in there that like felt like a machine translation. Um, yeah. Um, oh yeah. It's a little awkward to say this, but um, <laughs> as someone that has been working on the fan edit that uh, some fans have been working on for it, uh, there's definitely some lines that, from our perspective, definitely feel like they were machine translated. So. Yeah, I mean, you you saw it, you know, the like archaeozoic big hole, obviously. It was one of the more. It was uh, like, God. what was but, the. Uh, then please just Japan, call me Allison. Uh, yeah, so. The archaeozoic uh, big hole was the thing that really, when I was going through the game, made me think go from, okay, maybe the translation's just all right to, so okay, like, the this translation. Because I played the Japanese version, and in the Japanese version, the area. Um, the areas in the Japanese version had English titles. Um, some of them were very Englishy, like they weren't very good. But Archaeozoic Big Hole was called Crevice of the Archaeozoic Era in the Japanese that, version, which sounds cool. That actually sounds um, kind of flowery and cool, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then they made it Archaeozoic Big Hole in the English right. version. And like the joke that's been going around on Twitter for the last couple of days is how do you mess up so bad that you make a perfectly awesome sounding English name for an area into what Big honestly hole. sounds like if you if you had given like people two those two names in isolation and asked them which one they thought was from the Japanese release and which one they thought was from the English release, they think they were swapped. Yeah. Okay. So, so like, well, go for it. Well, go ahead. Yeah. I, I mean, I was just gonna bounce off of that, but we. So the localization has points in it where not only is it dry, but there's clearly like, especially in some like I guess NPC dialogue where there's actually just some like. Englishy sounding like structures and lines that are just like no one talks like this. So okay, so the 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 big like worry about this now is that we exactly don't know when they uh, started to do work on this up like improved localization, right? Like a I lot of people. Say, are, I, I did actually send uh, NAS America an email about some concerns about some parts of the localization before the review embargo went up. And the uh, response that I got tells me that they probably didn't start working on it until after the game came out. 
So, like, uh, I'll read I'll read this verbatim off the letter itself, saying, "As for E C itself, we will have a new translator and editor go over the entire localization to fix grammatical errors, typos, inconsistencies, and also take a fresh look at the dialogue and characterizations for the script where necessary. We will retranslate and re-edit the game, including updating voice work to reflect these changes. We plan to have this work done by the end of November, and will offer the updated localization free of charge for both the PlayStation version." PlayStation 4 version and PlayStation Vita versions of the game via a patch. The Steam version of the game will include this localization in its initial release. And then they released the follow-up uh, Steam news story on the on the East 8 game page that they're uh, aiming to have the PC version of East 8 out by mid-December. Ooh, uh, wow. Yeah. That's I mean, we, I figured it would be they'd wait for the patch now, obviously. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I don't trust them to actually have the PC version out by this year well i i I know like some people's concern now is like well is that enough time that's about six weeks or by when that thing came out seven weeks yes seven weeks and i know people are like you know well you know certification and things like that take at least at least one week probably more than that so like they really have like a month or a little bit more than that like five weeks they probably have less than a month yeah so like i i mean i'm being like generous like at most they have like five weeks, but it's probably closer to three less weeks. than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 a really really. Dire I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not familiar no exactly idea. with, but like uh, the time frame on these. But I know it's not just. No. They have to do certifications and things like that with the publish or with yeah, the uh, platform holder and things they like need that. To wait so for the publisher to uh, well, the developer to actually implement the changes before oh, right. Sony. So it's like there is no way that they're actually going to have more than three weeks on that thing uh, if they just started now. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see what actually actually happens because this will actually this actually leads into another uh, story that uh, is was said public in a public space. He he did make it clear. Um, the the voice actor for Hummel, Sean Chiplock, which is also the voice actor for Reen, uh, the main character in Tra- the Trails of Cold Steel series, uh, he did say he did mention uh, publicly that. Uh, he he won't uh, redub any of Hummel's lines in East Eight because he he was in a state when uh, voicing that character he is recovering from a cold, so he was able to uh, nail that you know gravelly voice that he can't actually do normally in his normal voice. So now you have this situation where there are uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna say where a certain voice actor uh, like can't like bring himself to like redub the lines if there were any like you know fixed lines for Hummel. And it's improved localization, but what does Nice America do from there? Because you know he he did mention that he's not gonna like rip his throat apart just to, you know, but nail that voice. That, that, that seems that does, that does seem kind of a little bit silly to me. Like, oh, he voiced a character only because he was had a cold at the time. I mean, I, I don't a little know. bit silly. But... That, that seems silly, and I think that maybe they could at least. I mean, that's what a sound editor is for, right? They could probably just pitch it or something like that. To I make it sound don't closer. think that would work. I don't even, think it even, works Okay, that so way. it'd be better than nothing, right? That's the that's the point. I right? will say though that out of all of the characters in Ezate's English dub, I'd say that Sean's um, work as Hummel is probably the strongest. Yeah, that's my I, I did mention that in my review sure. too. That I really liked, you know, what they did with Hummel. So I, I don't know exactly if he, you know, has to read dumb lines. I'm not saying yeah. that, but uh, I'm just saying that I wonder. Because if it comes to this point, I think the bigger story behind this is that kind of confirms that like they haven't done work for the, even the redubbing of like characters yet, yeah. and that takes a long while to actually like implement back in the game along with script changes, and then like you know getting like uh, the okay on that. 
especially because yeah. you know these voice actors are bo working on projects mm -hmm. basically all the time you know so the scheduling it of it like each yeah, it's it's a mess probably yeah. you know well, i'm assuming i did not sure if i should even say this but i feel like ns america made this um public apology just so that he could say that they are working on it I don't actually trust them to get this done in the in the time slot that they say that they're going to get it done in. Yeah, I mean, it's I do think it's done, right? I do think obviously this shouldn't have been, ever happened in the first place. No, obviously. no, yeah. of course. Not. I'm but feeling I, it, super it's about it, how it's... I how I said that the translation wasn't very good. I mean, I I just feel very vindicated right now, to be honest. Well, I'm, I, all I wanted to say is it it is a good thing that they are addressing it. Whether or not they can address it in the time frame is obviously who knows, and it shouldn't have happened in the first place. But it is a good thing that they are addressing it. I yeah. mean, I guess that's like that's almost like the bare minimum in a sense. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> they could have ignored it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like this whole saga. Like ever since you know Nisa like announced that they were the ones to localize Isay, it's like it, it's kind of it's it's been handled irresponsibly and. I'm very interested to see like what the, what, the, what the what the ramifications are. We've talked this. about this before. Exceed yeah. yeah. just they don't have the manpower to localize every Falcom game. Somebody else needs to step up mm -hmm. um, to help if they want those games in English. Yeah. yeah. So like somebody other than Exceed has to do it. So they gave Nisa a chance and they kind of fumbled it. <laughs> I mean, not yeah. kind of. They did. They did. Um, they did. So. Now, now they've, they, they, the they'll learn from this, really right? really gone super well with E's 8's uh, English release is probably the limited edition that the um, NIS America did. But that's probably the best thing that happened with it. I would say yeah. at least that uh, yeah. the, I feel what I feel worse is the people that pre-ordered the PC version and still haven't gotten a copy. I think yeah. that's, I, that's I, I mean, the, the, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But also, like, at least at least. Anissa is saying, "Okay, if you want to like refund it, these are the steps to do it." Yeah. So at least they're very being very open. I mean, it sucks, but like at least they're at least saying, "Okay, I we we admit we totally fucked up, and that's like that's a fact." But like at least they're making more open about saying we're very sorry about this. If you want yeah. to refund, this, I think, then these I are think, steps to refund. Yeah, I mean they'll say it, but I think a lot of those people already had got their refunds a long time ago. So it's like they know yeah. how to do it. It's pretty straightforward on Steam to do that kind of thing if you haven't played it yet. Kind of wish that they would do the same thing for Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo, but, you know, that's a whole yeah, story. Yeah, not to mention that this is the most embarrassing part about the PC release is that it's already out there. Like, it's already leaked. Well, okay, yeah, it's leaked, but that's, we're, of course, with the official release and all. I mean, I, I think that for some people, they would have rather just had the version that it was, but apparently the PC version, it was way more than just a translation issue. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah, definitely it, performance issues. It has issues. a lot of issues. Yeah, um, so it's not, it's, even if you're talking about it's leaked, it's like they're getting a subpar version anyway, so it's not that interesting to begin well, with. Well, I just mean from the perspective of if Falcom would want to work with them again, because they said they were going to have the PC version day and date, that didn't happen. So they delayed it, but even though they delayed it, now there is this pirated version of the PC version that's not officially out yet, already out there. That's you know, that's just how it is lately. That's just how it is now. That, that's 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 the whole PC market. Yeah, I mean, that, it's, that's, it's that's kinda, nothing. I mean, new. if you wanted to, you could. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, obviously, with released games, you can pretty much pirate every game if you want. Yeah. It's so it's it's kind of like I don't condone this, obviously, but that, that's, it's, not, it's that's, not, that's not that's not part of the. Yeah, it's kind of silly how easy it is to pirate these days. Like you have Reddit pages that are literally like, "Hi, we are pirating, and this is how you do it." And that yeah. you know, it's don't even get me started on 3ds piracy though. You literally just scan QR codes. Like I, yeah. I I mentioned in a. I mentioned this is just a tangent, but I mentioned in a previous podcast how I needed to pirate Tales of Eternia on PSP to get past like a game breaking bug. And like you can do it something like that in like less than five minutes. It's so like it's, it's, it's because they're making it harder for you to just get into the game on the PC. So the, yeah. when piracy is easier than actually playing the game, I think that's that's the important part because they don't have to deal with like DRM and garbage like that. That's why you go through but, GOG. But so. I mean, I'm kind of at the point now where it's like, okay, I guess I will wait for the patch. Yeah. I, I, I'm probably just going to wait for the PC version. Like, I was thinking maybe I would play the PS4 version, you know, before like game of the year if the PC version wasn't out just so I could have thoughts on it. You know, I know it's probably, I don't know how well it stacks up with other heavyweights in the game of the year discussion, <laughs> but at least to play it. Um, well, but now it's like, now hmm. it's like, well, I'm just going to wait and we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, that's all, all we can do, right? I'm, I'm really interested to see, like, in you know, the, the compare and contrast of, like, you know, pre-patch versus post-patch script with, the, with that. I guess you could make the argument for, like, the small screen category, but I guess we'll get to that point yeah. when we have uh, to. But I, uh, the, I, yeah. there's, there's, there's another, you know, obviously not East 8 related, but there's another part of the story of the, the whole ongoing fac, Falcom, Nisa, Exceed kind of thing. Where, you know, um, you definitely feel uh, voice actors and voice actresses are here people too. They, they get attached to projects. They, you know, they, especially ones that, that are dear that are hard that you did. And you can see that voice actors uh, have, uh, they can tell when a developer and publisher like go the extra mile for the and, and some right? And some voice actors like are huge fans of these types of games mm-hmm. too. Like, yeah. They're not just like this. Isn't just like a paycheck for them. This is like, you know, this is their, their lifestyle. Life. Yeah, yeah. They like they love this sort of stuff. You, you, um, you, don't, you don't really go into these kinds of like voice acting <laughs> positions, like you know, yeah. expecting to make big bank out of that. You do it. It's very much a passion yeah. job, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. like um, bring it back to Sean Chiplock, for example. He's he is Reen for pretty much the entire Western Falcon fandom. Like legitimately, he is in the game, but he spends a lot of time with the fan base. He like has redu- he's dubbed lines that weren't dubbed in the game before and posted them on his like Tumblr. He's done all sorts of stuff like that. He interacts with people. Of course, he posted those things on the Falcom Discord we were talking about before. And but, yeah. But anyways, get back to Josh's point. Yeah. We interrupted so, you. Yeah. Um, so uh, she, uh, Sean, uh, along with five other voice actors uh, from the Trails of Cold Steel cast, like the main cast, uh, are you know sending out a group letter to Exceed, uh, you know just basically thanking them for their commitment to the series, for their you know hard work ethic, and you know just being masters of like you know the whole masters, like just the whole script of it because you know the, a lot of the charm <laughs> is uh, of the trail series is the world building, and saying that you know if Exceed is looking to localize you know, Cold Steel 3, or if they're found, or interested in it, they, you know, really, really hope that they'll consider, you know, working with them again, you know, uh, with the same roles, because they love the characters so much uh, in those games. And uh, Sean himself uh, has stated publicly that if, you know, Nice America does get the license to localize 
Cold Steel 3, he does not want to uh, voice Reen if Nice America uh, does. Uh, I think the way you're saying it's a bit harsh because he said specifically it's not an Nice America thing. He just doesn't trust any other company besides yeah. XC to do translation. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a real worry. It's totally hypothetical at this point. But now yeah. that we've seen other Falcom games, you know, distributed out to these other localizers, it's like, well, who gets Cold Steel 3? Yeah. And so it's and now with this love from east america here it's like well hopefully <laughs> it's not a given so, anymore that's the yeah. big point it's like yeah. even if it even if it, you can just say well you know tokyo Xenadu is a different se- kind of series and then you've got east 8 world it's a uh, the separate entries and all that stuff like final fantasy doesn't it's, mean it's a business, that it can still happen so. yeah exactly it's they're still in the business to make money in east america is a way bigger marketing budget even if uh falcon might have had issue with it they did get to benefit a lot from being able to like the president being able to go all over the world, having these interviews and stuff like that, that they could never yeah. get on Exceed's money. So that's kind of they, they even got they, they even got Atlas to help distribute a couple of a couple of marketing things. Like, hey, yeah, did and, you see this new game from Nice America? Oh, what if like, Atlas actually takes in Trails of Cold Steel three? That would open up a whole other can of worms, wouldn't it? Uh, but oh man, that's Atlas that's is weird in that they're historically insane. a good localizer, and then had like this huge, you know, they kind of. They, you know, they know when the spotlight was brightest, they failed. <laughs> you, they look at, you, look at, you, look, you look at like Yakuza, not sorry, Yakuza, that's Sega. Uh, if you look at like Utuwa Romano and stuff like that, like they can do it well. They just really flubbed it on Persona 5, apparently. I, I wonder, is there, is there an email campaign going on for Danganronpa V3? <laughs> oh. I know some people who say they really like Danganronpa's translation. Like, uh, I've, heard, I've heard a lot of people very, no. very mixed things about it. I would say no, there isn't. Actually, it's probably on the level from of our reviewer. So, <laughs> well, uh. he didn't like it. Uh, so, yeah. uh, I think that's yeah. That I think that that the reaction's been mixed, and that's putting it lightly. It but, probably wasn't the best idea to have Danganronpa, which is like a huge text project, and Yisei, a huge text project, released so close to each other. Like they, well, I would say at least with with Danganronpa V three, they did the thing where like a local uh, an editor was put on each character. <laughs> that was a really bad idea. And then East eight, it's just yeah, they didn't. They apparently did I not. I mean, they had these two big games really so close to each other, yeah. and like they basically, I'm just saying, it seems like I don't get a bit off East more than they especially well, is um they had like two translators and four editors on East eight, but so they had four editors on East eight, but there's parts of the game that feel like they didn't see an editing pass at all. It's yeah. It's it's obviously too many chefs in the kitchen. That's that's okay. clearly what it, oh, too many cooks in the kitchen. That's the same as with like Persona Five. Too many five, cooks so. in the kitchen anyway. and not enough time to prepare. Exactly. Uh, but the the bigger point is that uh, once again they're in the business to make money. It's going to be really hard to see Trails of Cold Steel Three. Uh, I don't really. It's hard to see X Seed's future with that series anymore. Uh, like I mean, as far as like not saying that they're not going to get it. It's more. It's murky now, right? Like they we it's, don't it's we can't certainly predict more questionable it. than it was before. Exactly. But. Exactly. And Axis, who knows? Um, because of the experience with Tokyo Xanadu, and I'm assuming they wanted the the other versions to come in closer, but. I don't know what the reaction has been with Axis. I heard, you know, all um, we know is... I like, understand uh, Tokyo Zanotti's translation was basically the opposite problem of these eight's translation. It was still too pretty good. bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not in that sense. It's just like, like that being like, that, uh, man. Eight was kind of robotic and dry. Um, no, Tokyo the personalities, Zanadu, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, it's too liberal of a translation. Like, there's a lot of things that just don't make sense in the context of these characters. I'd start yeah. up another email campaign. Oh, my God. Not another we should, one. Falcom should just start working with 8-4, because they've been doing good work this year. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you want to start a controversy? Say 8-4 needs to <laughs> oh, take man. everything. Oh, my that's God. Right. I have to fire them. They're, 
Uh, hey, considering the localizations the this year, 8.4 has got Near and Fire Emblem Echoes, which are, from what it sounds like, two of the probably the two go. best ones this year. So. Be like yeah. Tiki Torches in the Streets, <laughs> Falcom, <laughs> uh, like the deniers on that stuff. But uh, but uh, anyways, yeah, Tokizanati yeah. wasn't necessarily a good translation either. No, I, it I, had a lot of inconsistency. Like, from what I understand, there was like, they'd have like four different terms for the same thing, and you'd see like, multiple rare variations of that term used in the same sentences are, even are they gonna so pick that up in ex plus like the translation that's that what they, they might um, maybe i assume I, that I know, maybe with I, extra time yeah sorry yeah go ahead adam all, all i know is that well access is tiny and i'm pretty sure yeah. most of the localization for tokyo is on a do is done by one person <laughs> yeah uh, tom it's a uh, mike mike yeah and he, he's, he kind of gets kind of depressing sometimes on his oh, twitter he... oh yeah i remember <laughs> like leading up to tokyo zanadu like every now and then you'd see him post tweets about how depressing the work was because he was behind schedule <laughs> oh, <laughs> but i know um, i think uh uh what's her name jessica chavez from former Exceed, yeah, like did some. I, I know she didn't do like localization, but I know she helped out on Tokyo Zanadu a little bit. Did editing work? Yeah, yeah, yeah editing, probably. So, That's, but yeah, yeah. there might have been literally just those two people. Uh, who knows? I mean, obviously, probably more than that, but like the lion's share of the work. But that's, I think, the thing with Tokyo Zanadu is they kind of expect it to be not. It's more of a niche game to them. Um, yeah, I guess so. They're just not putting as much of a budget towards localizing it. So yeah, I mean to be honest, I mean, like all the yeah, the only money they have to make is the amount it took to localize the product. So as long as they pass that, that's a success mm-hmm. from Falcom. So who knows? But you say it was seemingly supposed to be like a really big Nisa flagship title. Yeah, like well, and it's obviously Falcom's well, flagship franchise, uh, and then it just kind of got didn't get the localization it deserved. It was treated like so. that. I, for, I forgot when the last time like Nisa like publicly apologized. It was an Arten Elko too. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, with the damn. Game breaker uh, shit. They, yeah. they didn't. They didn't do Arno Surge, right? That was another one. No, that was, that was the yeah. That was Koei Tecmo. And fun fact: okay. the guy that localized that game from Axis, and that was a mess. <laughs> so well, it was Ben, I think it was uh, from from that. And that he actually, I think he handled that and Atelier Shally, which also had its own problems. So I Jesus. don't know what is happening. <laughs> uh, uh, that's it. This this market is too understaffed. Like, how how was the blue industry. reflection in the review? Or, uh, uh, localization? It was fine. I, I don't remember having any issues, but I, I that, I've that's been not hearing from game. some people that it's actually got some issues. But you played it, so I'll trust your judgment. I mean, it's I, I, I'm obviously I don't the community is nowhere near as large as any of these games, so I I can't really say for sure. <laughs> I thought it was fine, um, but I think like when you look at uh, really strong localizations, you look at from this year, it's like Yakuza Zero and Yutaro Mano for me. Eratomda, okay. yeah, Eratomda. Uh, uh, so like those projects, they did a really good job on that. But it seems it's also the year of questionable localizations, so it's really oh, hard to I, see. I, I, I wish I had I a wonder most which of... side. Um... Is that going to be an award for this year? <laughs> no, I, I really wish I had like a most improved localization award, so the Super Robot Wars V would take it. Oh my gosh, we got that, and like Arnor Surge, they put out a patch, a localization patch for that too, a translation patch, I mean. And so like there's examples of them fixing the problem, and so all we can say is at least, Nice America, thank you for doing something. Next time. Don't don't do that. Just don't just put some more. Just put <laughs> some more heads don't, in don't fuck up, man. Don't That's fuck. an easy solution. We, don't fuck up. <laughs> we we like you, but we don't like you when you do this. Uh, uh, yeah. At least they accepted it and they didn't just move on. And I think that's important because, well, I'm yeah. sure Falcon put their feet the fire, so that's probably the big reason. But you know, uh, it's just nice to see it. So let's wrap yeah. this up. 
because I think we've been uh, unless someone wants to make a final point. We've we've been Ooh. I think we almost <laughs> we almost sound a little bit too whiny here now. Like no. kind of yeah. bashing on this. Oh, I love whining though. It's the best part. It's, yeah, like I like I said, I'm just here. I'm just gonna wait for the the, the patch. I'll wait, probably wait for the PC version, and hopefully in a couple of months it's like just water under the bridge in a sense. But I know it had bigger implications. That email than that. campaign worked. Uh. It's it's like that Xenoblade Chronicles localization, the email campaign, Operation Rainfall. They (laughs) sometimes the fans can let the voice be heard. Yeah, Xbox One, no DRM. Oh, (gasps) we're gonna start this up. Uh, I I Twitter hashtag. Oh man, I can't wait. I will say uh, just to let people know, it's like you know the biggest fans are also the people that are the biggest critics. So I think that's important to point out that we love these games and we just want to see the best happen to all. Yeah, I mean if you if like hey if you already played DC and you enjoyed this localization, you're totally fine. You know, don't feel bad about like you know liking the game. It's it's like it's weird because then you kind of look at like how big is this group actually amongst the people that actually bought it that are complaining? Because you look at it like, it's like Final Fantasy fourteen. the fans of that series have problems because um, it seems like uh, Yoshida tends to listen a lot to the people that are like small in number. And then they make these big changes that people, a lot of people didn't really want. And 15 had that problem too, where a lot of these, a lot of the producers seemed like everyone, it was like speaking to the fans, like, okay, we got airships. Okay. We got chocobos. It's, it was like that kind of thing. So even if you're like a small company to the biggest companies, you wonder like how substantial the audience is that is actually complaining, but it's nice to see at least this just makes sense. You know, it's a sensical change to make. Yeah. So, uh, let's, wrap this up though because this is only a few news posts and yet we ended up going well over two hours so let you guys know where you can find us you can always find us on rpgsite.net we got reviews for Eglia we got a ton of Middle Earth guides uh, and we've got of course Adam's review of Etrian Odyssey 5 coming up here Uh, we've also got a closes online impressions piece that went up today so be sure to check that out Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at rpgsite on our Facebook page facebook.com slash rpgsitenet on a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash RPG site net. I posted the last video of Valkyria Conquest 3, so that's done. And man, that game is so fucking good. More people need to play it. Uh, it's got a fan translation, which, speaking of translation projects, Valkyria Conquest 2 and 3, Sega, make it happen. Uh, on PC, I should say. Do I need Two. to like start up an email campaign for Valkyria Chronicles 3? Oh my gosh, I would back you 100% on that. Does it have loot boxes? <laughs> oh, uh man um then no i'm not gonna start with oh my god mm-hmm. just the idea of valkyrie comes through the loot boxes i think i'd lose my fucking mind i don't want that at all that's <laughs> i don't know where that would fit in because but you're like you're not even like a few hours in the game and you already got way more money than you know what to do with <laughs> so it's like the, you all you got like hundreds of thousands more dollars than you can you ever need you can buy everything in that game and still have like a ton of money yeah. left over it's ridiculous also uh, you can find us on itunes your favorite podcast app just search for tetracast a permanent Discord link, discord.me slash RPG site. And finally, you guys can find us on Twitter. Where can they find you, James? At the sweet, T H E S W W E E T. Adam. K I N G underscore S E D A. Josh. I'm at H D Kieran, H D K I R I N. I'm drowning in fall season anime. Oh, God. Oh. Fuck off. I still <laughs> need to start watching fall season. Don't do it. No, it's stay away from anime. Anime's bad for you. Uh, it's bad for your health. Uh, yeah, you can find me at Zach Reese. So that's it for this October 14, 2017 edition of the TetraCast. Catch us next week for yet another edition. Bye, everyone. Get hyped for Star Ocean 4K. Oh, <laughs> excuse me. Star Ocean The Last Hope International 4K and Full HD Remaster Edition. That's Thank you very much. Whole name. Bye. I, God, I... 
it was a bit awkward talking about the EZ translation. I haven't stopped the recording. I haven't stopped the recording, James. This is the best podcast ending we have ever done. God damn it, James. Amazing. Bye.